Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report. Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. Joe Hagman, your co-host, along with Doug Hagman. Together we are the Hagman Report, coming to you live each weekday, 7 to 10 p.m. on Global Star Channel 3, Blog Talk Radio, as well as live on YouTube. we got a fantastic show. We're going to get right into it today. Brandon House of is going to be our first guest, and he is joining us to talk about a number of things from... Um, some interesting information that John was telling me before the show about nuclear beach balls, storage lockers, Iraq, and a whole bunch of other stuff he's going to get into. It ties into to also to Uranium One, some of the information he's going to go over with us. Then we're going to be joined by Greg Jackson. He's going to come on to talk to us about the situation with Roy Moore as the Senate race is less than a month away. You had accusers coming out of the woodwork. Really, uh, Gloria Allred ruined the credibility of many. And what we saw today, yesterday and today, was they rolled back out the first accuser. And I have a theory about this. I believe, uh, like we see with in the news in the, for the last two months, we've seen a whole number of people, politicians, people in media. Today, uh, yesterday it was Charlie Rose. He's been fired from CBS. Today we see Disney chief creative officer uh, is taking a six-month leave of absence for his sexual misconduct that is apparently going to come out. His name is John Lasseter. So we see these ongoing claims of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, groping. And with Roy Moore, uh, we saw that this seemed to be more political than anything. One of the accusers that Gloria Allred rolled out had a number of holes in her stories from uh, Judge Roy Moore presiding over her divorce case in 1999, which she failed to mention or disclose, and also the issue of the signature on the yearbook. Was it forged? The DA on the signature we know was his assistant or secretary, and that she would initial his stamp signature, and that's where the DA comes from. So the credibility was ruined of the one accuser. But what they did now is they took the first woman who came out, and started giving her interviews. And, and now we see, the again, the very first accuser of Judge Ray Moore, who said that he had an inappropriate relationship with her when she was 14 that consisted of a date that they went on. And they're rolling this lady back out, which is fine. She should tell her story. But I believe they've done this because they saw how the last accusers lacked credibility the, the lady Gloria Allred rolled out. Uh, her her story was full of holes, and nothing was really sticking and working for them. And this is about <clears throat> keeping Roy Moore out of the Senate. So what they did is they brought this lady back out and had her tell her story. Now, the one thing about her story <clears throat> that we know is uh, interesting is that she's saying she was 14 when this happened and Roy Moore was in his 30s. Apparently, he went and dated a number of younger women, Sorry, i got to plug my headphones in here. And 
this lady was apparently 14, but I have some problems with her story as well, and I'm not here to make a decision one way or the other, but it felt to me that the reason they did this is because they were not effective in trying to to really tarnish his reputation with the voters of Alabama. So they're rolling this out again in order for people to re-examine the, the evidence that they're putting out or the claims that they're making in hopes that people drop their support for him. I could be wrong, but that's just what I see. And again, as I mentioned, Charlie Rose was fired. And there's a number of interesting reactions to that. You had his co-hosts on CBS this morning given kind of an explanation as to what they saw, what they were going through. And they didn't really defend him, but they did talk about uh, him being, you know, a great guy and how this scandal has really rocked the network and... The blooms that, off the rose. <laughs> yeah. and But some interesting hypocrisy, as we expect from the mainstream media, one of the more interesting ones is Joy Bear of The View. Now, this lady is crazy, If, in my opinion. She's crazy. She was one of the, the big defenders of Bill Clinton when he was being accused of um, anything from rape to groping to exposing himself. And Newsbusters has a great article up. The Views, Joy Bear, hypocritically scolds Kellyanne Conway on Roy Moore after she defended Clinton on rape. In light of all the accusations of sexual misconduct, harassment, and assault coming out now against liberals and Democrats, some on the left are hunkering down and sticking to their partisan politics, more so now than ever. Longtime host of The View, Joy Bear, has been increasingly uncomfortable in the past few weeks as the ABC panel has discussed allegations against Harvey Weinstein, Al Franken, Louis C.K., and now Charlie Rose. Her usual diversion has been to bring up the claims made against President Trump during the campaign. And I've been watching these clips off of Newsbusters, and every time they start talking about a sexual allegation, whether it's against Harvey Weinstein or Charlie Rose, instantly they all bring it right back around to Trump, claiming that there are a whole host of people that are accusing him of the same things. But anyway, what the point of this is, is Joy Bear, the lady who... accusations, is trying to take Kellyanne Conway to task for saying that she would like to see Roy Moore get elected, if only for the sole purpose to get the tax bill through. And they took major exception with this, saying that she sold her soul to the Republican Party. And they all agree. But there's a lot more we can get into here, but I'm not going to take any more time away from our guests. We have with us Brandon House of WorldViewWeekend.com. He's been a guest several times on the show, always has great information. Brandon, welcome to the Hagman Report. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. I know you got a number of, of uh, important issues you want to discuss and get into. Where are we going to start tonight? Well, I've been reading a report um well, I think every American should read it, to be honest with you. It's called The Perfect Storm. It's by Mary Fanning and Alan Jones. It came out November 14, 2017. So it's a brand-new report, and uh, it's put out by the Center for Security Policy, Frank Gaffney's group. It's 91 pages, and I've read the bulk of it. And, in fact, today on my broadcast at worldviewradio.com, I interviewed uh, Claire Lopez, who was with the CIA for many years and speaks numerous uh, languages, uh, she's an expert on Russia, Iran. I had her on for the full hour. That'll be posted tonight at worldviewradio.com. And uh, she works with this organization that put out this report. Many of us have been reporting about the Club K 
cargo container system that will launch four cruise missiles. Uh, Reuters has had articles on this. Many groups have had articles on this. You can go on YouTube, type in Club K um, missile launcher container, and you can watch prototypes, computer-generated um, examples of it. But you can actually watch the real thing, the container, the cargo container, raising up the roof and then four um, launching systems for cruise missiles standing straight up. Not computer simulated, the actual thing uh, on YouTube. It's being displayed somewhere, I think, in Russia or somewhere where they're very proud of this. It's manufactured in Russia. Now, we've been talking about this for several years. In fact, in this TV studio of ours two weeks ago, this past weekend, we had our national security conference with myself, uh, Jason Pratt, a commander in the Navy, Clint Clemens, John Guandolo, former FBI counterterrorism expert, Chris Govitz, who infiltrated CARE undercover for six months. We were all broadcasting our Friday night, all-day Saturday national security conference from this studio. Uh, and by the way, if people are Situation Room members at situationroom.net, uh, they can go in there and under the library tab, watch all 10 hours. Well, in my presentation, I warned about the Club K car as being one of the threats we should be worried about, one of the threats we should be concerned about. The next week, we find out this report comes out by Mary Fanning and Alan Jones, which says that not only do we have the threat of the Club K car that can launch four cruise missiles off of a cargo container that could be placed in international waters and ship, you know, uh, shot off on a ship, a cargo ship, they're not a military cargo, but it's even worse. We're now finding out that Saddam Hussein's former nuclear scientist, weapons of mass destruction scientist, a man who developed something known as the beach ball, a nuclear device, miniaturized nuclear device, this man who worked with Saddam Hussein, his top secret uh, uh petrochemical complex nuclear facility that he ran for Saddam Hussein, that man owns a company known as Gulf Tainer. And his company has been awarded a 35-year lease on running the facility at Port Canaveral, Florida. And his company is in a relationship with a state-owned Russian company that exports the Club K cruise missile launching system. This man is now behind the wire inside the U.S., has access to Port Canaveral, our port terminal in Florida. Wow. Very interesting, Brandon. Um, so what now? I mean, what, what do we, where do we go from here? Well, I interviewed, uh, as I said, Claire Lopez today from the Center for Security Policy who put out this report. And I said to her, you know, there's a lot of talk about Uranium One, a lot of talk about Uranium One, and there should be. But Uranium One is not the existential threat, the immediate threat that this is. Right. As Claire Lopez said today, you know, somewhere down the line we may need some Uranium, and we've given our limited supply, a percentage of it, to Russia. There was obviously, a, I guess, apparently a pay-for-play kind of deal going on there. That's being investigated, and well, it should. 
But all we're hearing talked about is the Uranium One deal and the political connections involved in that and how this uranium was transferred to Russia. But that's not an imminent threat. The imminent threat right now is that we could have Club K missile launching cargo terminals, or, yeah, terminals, that are, well, let me back up. We could have the Club K containers that have the ability to launch cruise missiles, four of them, having been brought into the United States and placed down all over the United States, and we have no idea how many are here, if any are here, how many, and if they are here, where are they? NORAD has admitted, according to this report by the Center for Security Policy, NORAD has admitted they have no way of tracking this Club K missile system. This wow. is a serious, serious threat. And there's a lot we can get into as far as the details. It sounds like something out of a uh, Tom Clancy uh, book or movie, but it's not. No, and Brandon, let me ask you this. Is this something that would need to be brought into the country or acquired in one piece and moved there? Is this something that the parts can be separately acquired and pieced together in a facility like the storage facility or somewhere close and then moved to this? Uh, no. Okay. It's all self-contained. You buy it, it's self-contained, you move it in, and it sits there dormant waiting to go until it's activated. And it's activated, by the way, by satellite. So it sits, and it can sit dormant for 10 years before activated, and the coordinates are put in, and it's launched. And four cruise missiles shooting off of this container could destroy an aircraft carrier, uh, not to mention the you know what it will do to a major American cities. Um, and by the way, that's if you're just using you know a conventional... You've got this beach ball, because it looks like a beach ball, that was developed by Dr. Jaffer and looks very similar to the pictures we have of Kim Jong-un, if you go online, and the nuclear sphere that Kim Jong-un is pictured with looks very similar to the nuclear device known as the beach ball, miniaturized nuclear device, developed by Dr. Jaffer. Uh, Dr. Jaffer likely has acquired much of his ability from North Korea. North Korea is sharing this information with him. So it is perfect as far as this miniaturized nuclear device to put on the end of one of these cruise missiles. But then you have the issue of biological and chemicals being placed on these devices as well. So if we want to get into the, 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 the details, we can. But needless to say... This is not being talked about to the level it should, but we also need to talk about how this man, Saddam Hussein's, um, you know, top secret uh, mastermind behind his nuclear program, came to acquire his company, a 35-year lease to Port Canaveral cargo terminal in Florida. And we know the answer to that, but we, we, we can start breaking it down if you want the facts. Sure. Brandon, let me ask you this first. The, it's one thing to have the, the, uh, components and the systems put together that hold and, and house the missiles. But what about the weapons themselves? Wouldn't that be much harder? Yeah, they're already in there. They come. Okay. They, they, you buy this. You buy this whole system. <laughs> wow. And it's, 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 it's a, it's off the shelf. 
You buy it, and boom, you got it. From a um, Sears catalog, or or do you have to? <laughs> you buy it from a Russian uh, company that manufactures it, and the exporter is a hundred percent Russian-owned exporter. The company that exports it is a hundred percent Russian-owned company that is in a business relationship, according to the Center for Security Policy and others, with Dr. Jaffer's company. <clears throat> so this is something that not only could you know nations buy them, but ISIS. I mean, ISIS is making three to five million dollars a day, depending on the reports you read. ISIS could very easily afford these, put them on cargo containers, and bring them into international waters. Um, so, no, this is all. This is not like you buy it and build it, put it together. You buy it, and it's all ready to go. That just seems incredibly crazy to me. That have you seen the footage of this? I mean, I sent you guys a video. Do you have the video of this thing lifting up out of the cargo container? No, I know, I know the kind of systems that you're talking about. I, I know exactly what it looks like. I've seen them on, on ships before. We've seen on the back of trucks. Um, but I have not seen it in the storage container. Uh, well, I sent John a, a video clip of it if you guys have that. We probably, I probably do have it here. Um, and I will, I will check that out and maybe we can get it queued up after the break so we can show our audience online also. Let me just give you a few facts about... Now, this comes from The Perfect Storm, again, written by Mary Fanning and Alan Jones uh, from November 14, 2017. This is a brand-new report. Now, these are all facts. I mean, this this is a 91-page report I have here, and, and uh, obviously we're not going to have time to go through all 91 pages tonight, but let me just read to you some of the bullet points from this report, okay? Gulf Tainer is the firm now in control of all container facilities at Port Canaveral and is co-owned by Hamid Jaffer, Dr. Hamid Jaffer. Dr. Jaffer headed Saddam Hussein's top secret petrochemical complex free nuclear weapons program. As Saddam Hussein's deputy defense minister, Dr. Jaffer also oversaw procurement operations for Iraq's vast nuclear biological and chemical WMD programs. The Jaffers family were able to take control of the U.S. cargo facility at Port Canaveral through a 35-year lease granted to the Jaffers and their United Arab Emirates uh, Ports Company, Gulf Tainer. That lease went through because the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, the process failed. Gulf Tainer, now listen to this. Gulf Tainer is, quote, the largest port operator in the Middle East with regards to the number of terminals operated in the region, with the company managing 40% of all the major container terminal facilities in the Middle East. All right. So not only is this guy connected to Saddam Hussein, not only is he a nuclear uh, expert, worked with WMDs for Saddam Hussein, and now has access to our, uh, our port, Port Canaveral in Florida, which is near military bases down there, not to mention Cape Canaveral. So it's within the vicinity of all that. This guy also, his company that he co-owns with others, is one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, cargo container company in the Middle East. Now, we're, what are we talking about? What countries? Gulf Tainer, the report says, is also the largest 
container terminal operator in Saudi Arabia. Oh, you mean Saudi Arabia? You mean the country that was behind carrying out 9-11? That Saudi Arabia? So they, they are the largest container terminal operator in Saudi Arabia and maintains additional container operations in the United, United Arab Emirates, Iraq, Pakistan, Lebanon, Turkey, Brazil, and Russia. So Gulf Tainer, Dr. Jaffer, Saddam Hussein's former uh, head scientist, nuclear, nuclear head scientist, his company now has not only access to Port Canaveral with this 35-year lease in Florida, his company runs the cargo terminals in these Middle Eastern Arab uh, Islamic nations I just mentioned, as well as Russia. So what could he get from those nations now into the United States of America? That's of great concern. And let me just say, I started reporting on this last week on my radio show and reading from this report last week. And then today I had on, as I said, Claire Lopez, who speaks multiple languages, is a national security expert, formerly with the CIA. And we spent pretty much the whole hour that will be posted later tonight at worldviewradio.com on this topic. I received communication this week from someone that will go unnamed for now, who is in a line of work related to shipping and cargo and cargo terminals. Their ears perked up when they heard about the Club K cargo system. They're now communicating because they are concerned with what they have personally seen and their team has personally seen related to this Russian company, cargo containers, cargo containers uh, leaving ports with some messed up paperwork, and then in transit, those cargo containers actually being painted to look as though they're coming from a different company. I also received communication in the last 24 hours, and again today, from someone in the intelligence community that I've known for years who had a top security clearance that has been listening to the programs, backed up the concern of this report, and I'm being told that there are those in the intelligence community that are actually disseminating this report and calling for people in the intel community to wake up to this issue. So it's amazing what people in the intelligence community will actually pay attention to that can be brought up by private citizens, people who used to be a part of the intelligence community who are now private citizens. The point is the intel community is so swamped and it's such you know a government bureaucracy that even a private think tank putting out reports like this can help to awaken the attention of people inside the intel community who then alert other people in the intel community, pay attention to what's going on. This is how serious it is. Yeah, and, and Brandon, it looks, uh, uh, when John brought this to my attention, I, I was kind of confused because I didn't know what he was talking about. I, I, I had to look into this a little bit, and I, I only did a little bit of looking but this is definitely a, a huge national security concern, and I want to ask you this: What, um, first of all, the 35-year lease? How is it that that this uh, J- Dr. Jafar got this? Is it just something that uh, anybody can do, or he was given the the access and the means to do it? 
Well, it appears as though there were some uh, inside shenanigans going on. Let me just read to you again some excerpts from this excellent report by the Center for Security Policy. They say possibly contributing to the CFIUS. Now, again, the CFUIS is the... That's uh, CFIUS. Yeah, uh, Brandon, that's CFIUS. And for the people out there unfamiliar with that, that figures prominently into Uranium One. It's a nine-member, 13-member um, uh, board that approves all... Deals. Uh, it, it was it began by executive order back in 1975, and it, it was revised several times. Bottom line, however, is um, it's a board that it, that uh, clears foreign national investments, and but at the end of the day, it has to have executive approval or approval by the president at the time. The the deal that has to have that. So that's what CFIUS is for the listeners out there, and um, for for people to. Uh, well, I'm glad you jumped in because I was getting ready to say we're. Where's the other hangman? Because I think he knows. He knows well, right. And I got to tell you, okay, you've got department heads, for example, Secretary of State, um, Secretary of Treasury, all the cabinet level positions, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, all part of the CFIUS board. But at the end of the day, the uh, approval rests with the uh, chief executive officer or the uh, uh, the president of the United States um, to, to approve such deals, but the criteria for going through CFIUS is that they it must impact um, national security or the national interests of the United States, obviously. So that that's what that's all about, and again, it's evolved since 75 since Ford brought it in via executive order. However, now I've got a couple of questions also for you um, that, man, I've got more than a couple of questions, um, but I'll let you continue your, 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 your thoughts here because... Because I knew you knew all about CFIUS because I knew you'd really been doing a lot of research on the Uranium One deal. Right. So this report states that possibly contributing to the CFIUS failure was the influence of the staff chairperson. Now listen to this. Who was appointed under Obama as the staff chairperson? Well, none other than a guy by the name of Amin Nabi Mir. Well, not just who is Amin Nabi Mir. Well, he's the son of a Pakistani immigrant from Kashmir with family connections to the Pakistani intelligence service and also, wait for it, the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood. In fact, he served for two years, uh, excuse me, he served twice as the president of the Islamic Society of North America Youth Wing. Now, ISNA, Islamic Society of North America, is a front group for Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood is an unindicted co-conspirator in the terror funding trial known as the Holy Land Foundation trial. And, of course, Muslim Brotherhood has many front groups, including uh, the International Institute of Islamic Thought, Muslim Student Association. Muslim Student Association, of course, has branches on 700 college campuses and university campuses in America that includes things like, mm, let's see, Hitler Week, where they honor Adolf Hitler. So you have a man who is appointed to this CFIUS uh, organization, this agency, as the staff chairperson with connections to Muslim Brotherhood and Muslim Brotherhood's group, Islamic Society of North America, and their youth wing. He was the chair from 2009 to 2014. He was previously an immigration attorney at a law firm known as Wilmer Cutler, Pickering, Hale, and Dorr. Now, this is interesting. Former FBI Director Robert Mueller, according to the report from the Security Policy Center, was a partner at William Hale from 2014 until 2017 when he then was appointed 
the special counsel to lead the Russia investigation. So Robert Mueller, former FBI director, was at the same law firm as uh, Mr. Mir, who was is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, who was appointed the chair staff person at uh, this government agency that James Clapper all of a sudden disbands the advisory board right before Uranium One deal goes through and Uranium Deal goes through Uranium One along with the Gulf Container deal. Now, lots of people are talking about Uranium One. Lots of people are talking about how that went through. But are they talking about the fact that according to Jim Rickards, who's been on your program, I'm sure, has been on our program several times, Rickards put out a tweet October 18th stating that this board, this advisory board, was disbanded before the Uranium One deal went through. So the question is, did James R. Clapper disband this advisory board so Uranium One could go through? But not only did Uranium One, what also went through that is a bigger threat is the Gulf Tainer deal that allows now Saddam Hussein's former nuclear scientist who is in a business relationship with the state-owned, Russian-owned distributor of the Club K missile cargo terminal launching system to have access, 35-year lease, to the Port Canaveral of Florida. And, and Brandon, you know, uh, I wanted to say this earlier because you mentioned Uranium One where that situation has, has happened and all the attention it is getting versus this, which is an ongoing situation that poses an ongoing threat, which is not getting any attention whatsoever. And I, I just want to say that I think the reason the Uranium One scandal is such a hot topic in the news, specifically in the alternative and conservative media, is because of the amount of scandals that Hillary Clinton, the Obama administration, and people all involved like Robert Mueller have been able to cover up and get away with this. And then, you know, this, this story, um, is not, it does pose an ongoing, uh, situation and it is very dangerous with national security implications, but it does not have the, uh, really, what would you call it? The, well, the, well, it doesn't have the visibility, I, I suppose, to some extent, but I, I it doesn't have the appeal, I guess. Well, because right, the, the everybody wants appeal. to see Hillary Clinton locked up. So that, that gives the Uranium One story, uh, so much attention just in that fact. Um, but this is obviously a very important story, and I, I still exactly. don't understand how this is allowed to happen. Well, it's in, in, in reality, it shouldn't happen, but it did. And we, the thing you pointed out with respect to the uh, uh, DNI Advisory Board, that arm of uh, that periphery of Cepheus, um, is very disturbing. Uh, that, that to be, and, and, uh, What's the time period here that we're talking about, uh, uh, Brandon, in terms of... Well, the, the mirror, he was the staff person there from 2009 to 2014. Right. And this went through during that time. And, again, this board was disbanded, according to a tweet put out by James Rickards, October 18, 2017. He tweeted out that that DNI advisory group, at some point before the Uranium One deal was uh, disbanded so that the Uranium One deal could go through, and then, like I said, so did the Gulf Tainer deal. 
Okay. Now, I've got one question in particular, and I know that uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to be asking this question, and this is something I'm not sure about. Have you heard uh, George Webb, an Internet researcher, this is back, let me get the exact date here. Um, This is back in, uh, I, I guess it was June uh, where the port of Charleston was shut down. And this was attributed to Internet researcher George Webb. Now, the details, of course, have been misrepresented by the media. And, of course, Mr. Webb has been made out to look like a very bad man when, in fact, none, none of what you read in the mainstream media is true. But having said that, the um, port of Charleston was shut down. Have you heard about this, or do you know about this? Okay. Back in mid-June, there was, in a, the Cliff Notes version, Mr. Webb had, uh, had thrown it out to a crowd um, sourcing kind of, in a crowdsourcing fashion, about diplomatic containers. Diplomat, he was talking about diplomatic pouches, but now we find out that these diplomatic pouches can be essentially the size of containers and diplomatic containers coming into the United States, perhaps carrying, um, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but but nuclear material. And one of his listeners, one of his followers, had contacted the Port of Charleston based on uh, crowdsourced information that ultimately shut down the Port of Charleston as they searched for um, nuclear material in a container. It, I find what you're saying extremely interesting because now you're looking at the potential, from my perspective, the potential of the very things you're talking about, not only being permitted, but also being perhaps allowed to come in via diplomatic routes as well. And in fact, maybe one of you could put into a search engine real quick about a nuclear weapon being found and pictured, and you will find pictures online a nuclear weapon being smuggled through, I think it was the Panama Canal in the last year or two. That's right. Go, if one of you can poke that into a computer and maybe tell me, tell our audience a little bit about that, which the reason I bring that up, it just shows us again more proof of what it is the red-green axis, the Marxists and the Muslims are trying to do, which is get these nuclear weapon, nuclear weapons inside the United States. Now, you mentioned what you did, which is very interesting because I interviewed from our TV studio on Sunday night Phil Haney, who was a uh, Department of Homeland Security officer. I'm sure you guys have interviewed him as well. He wrote the book, See Something, Say Nothing, a Department of Homeland Security officer exposes. He exposes uh, how the American government has basically uh, uh, conceded to to the jihadis. That's kind of uh, the working subtitle of his book. And I brought this up to him in our broadcast, and he said, well, let me add a piece to that puzzle. And he said, are you familiar with Citgo, the gas company? They have, he says they have 14,000 gas stations across the country, independently owned. And uh, he said, do you know who owns them? And I had forgotten who owns them, but once he reminded me, then I remembered, Venezuela. That, that's a petroleum company, a Venezuelan petroleum company. Well, we all know what's going on in Venezuela right now, don't we? Oh, yeah. You can down. Hugo Chavez, you know, he was a Neo-Marxist. Now we've got, he's dead. Now we've got a new guy. He's a, basically a Neo-Marxist down there. Uh, they, they're having a meltdown. They've got some people with massive infl- hyperinflation, middle class eating out of dumpsters. 
Uh, you've got the potential of military officials not being paid, yet what do they have? Uh, they have 5,000 man pads, uh, Russian man pads in Venezuela, these uh, land-to-surface missiles uh, you know, that they can launch. Uh, you know, in fact, there's rumors that there are Muslims running around the Middle East with these things, riding on don't, or, uh, uh, camels, uh, carrying these man pads. Well, 5,000 of them have so, supposedly made it into Venezuela. But now we have uh, the head of the CIA, Pompeo, admitting to Chris Wallace on Fox News a few weeks ago that inside Venezuela you have working Iran, Cuba, Russia, and Hezbollah. Now those are all our, Ameri our enemies of America, right? We also have, however, this petroleum company here in the U.S. that has a big percentage, of, pretty substantial percentage of our energy uh, resources here in the U.S. in financial trouble because, again, it's owned by Venezuela and they're in financial mess. So they get a loan from Russia, and as collateral, Russia gets about 50% of Sidco. Again, you can go research this and find this on all kinds of news articles. But what was most interesting to me was an article that showed that Sidco owns three oil refineries. Uh, looks like they're in uh, Louisiana, Texas, and somewhere in northern Illinois. Three oil refineries. But they also own 48 oil terminals. And if you look up on that, and you look up where these oil terminals are, you will see that we have the three uh, oil refineries. You can see the two down here in Texas and then uh, on up into the Midwest. But notice all these other little dots. All these other little dots running down the eastern seaboard. Those are oil terminals, okay? These are owned by Sidco, according to these news reports. But who now owns up to 50% of Sidco as collateral? for what they've uh, loaned to Venezuela, who owns Sitco, Russia. So now the concern is cargo containers coming into the United States as part of legitimate business, oil refineries, uh, oil terminal facilities, would it not be natural to have cargo containers coming into those facilities? But now the problem is we have a guy down in Florida, according to numerous reports, Dr. Jaffer, Saddam Hussein's former head of his nuclear program, his family owns Gulf Tainer, which now has control and access of the Port Canaveral in Florida. He's in business relationship with the 100% state-owned exporter of the Club K cruise missile launching system owned by Russia. And now Russia is owning about 50% of Sidco, this Venezuelan petroleum company, with three refineries and 48 oil terminals here in the U.S. I don't know about you guys, but this is not sounding good when they're moving, likely, cargo terminals and semi-trucks in and out of those areas, and now you have this mixture, and now you have this access. And again, according to the article, or the 91 page by Center for Security Policy, NORAD can't track these things. They don't know if they're here or not. And they can lay dormant for 10 years, and then they can get satellites give them the command and the coordinates as they launch. Now, don't forget, we have two satellites circling the globe, and Dr. Peter Pry has done a lot of research on this, and we, by the way, carry exclusively the weekly radio show of Dr. Peter Pry uh, at worldviewradio.com, the Pry Report. 
We asked him if he wanted a radio show, and he graciously agreed, and we carry the Pride Report every week for 30 minutes at worldviewradio.com. We'll find it there now on demand. And Dr. Pride has done great research on these North Korean satellites that are circling the United States of America several times a day. So we don't know what those are armed with, by the way. We don't know if there is a nuclear device on there, if there's an EMP device on there that can be detonated as they come up over the U.S. We don't know. But we also don't know if those satellites could not be used to send signals to these Club K containers that could be, and I say could be because we don't know, could be stationed around the U.S. Because, again, as we'll get into in this report, even Russian defense journals are boasting about this kind of technology and what they could do. And the experts, including those at the Center for Security Policy, are noting that this would be the perfect storm and that it would make basically what happened with Pearl Harbor look like a small event compared to what they could do by launching these missiles from inside our borders and also off of cargo uh, ships in international waters on either coast. Now, by the way, as I asked Claire Lopez today, as well as I have asked other military people, current and retired, including having interviewed General Cash a few years ago on my broadcast, General Cash was at one time the Assistant Director of Operations at NORAD when this supposed Chinese sub shot off a missile going out to sea off the California coast. I mean, a lot of people didn't know what that was. General Cash and others surmised that it might have been a, uh, a Chinese sub that did that, that got through to us through all, even all the electronic nets that are placed there to signal our government and our agencies that they're there. They may have gotten through there and sent off this, launched this missile going out to sea as a warning to America. Again, that's speculation, but again, it's coming from a guy that at one time was the Assistant Director of Operations at NORAD. I remember asking him about any kind of defense system for anybody shooting missiles at us right off of our coast. And if I remember correctly, he said there's nothing to, to stop that. I asked Claire Lopez today the same thing. She says there's not. I've also talked to some other military experts who are experts in this field, and they're also telling us there is no military technology for shooting down missiles that are shot from within our borders or right on either coast. The technology was all developed with missiles to be shot at as coming from like uh, from Europe and like the, the, the meaning Russia from the Soviet Union and not from within our own borders or right off our coast. So the problem as this report is stating you could have a Pearl Harbor type event where these, these cargo containers are opened up and activated by a satellite given their, their coordinates and you have American cities being targeted but also they go on and target uh, military uh, ships in port, whether on the East Coast or the West Coast. So this is, this is, again, everyone I've talked to, including retired and current military and some national security expert friends of mine, they've all said this is a huge, huge problem. Huge problem. Uh, obviously, and our, our guest is Brandon House. Uh, Brandon, th- this should really surprise no one. By the way, what you, working backwards, what you said about the EMP uh, threat, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Pry right here, uh, the satellites orbiting and presenting an EMP threat, of course, and then, of course, the Panama, the seizure of the nuclear material and missiles. 
right here. Tell, tell the listening audience about that. Well, all right. It was this uh, the headline, and this surprisingly or unsurprisingly, this was reported in the um, the UK first. Rogue North Korea sparked a fresh missile scare after one of its ships was caught trying to sneak sophisticated weapons in a shipment of sugar. Now, this, is this the same one you're talking about? I believe that. It, yeah. Okay. In the Panama Canal, declared find of undeclared weapon or uh, uh, find of undeclared weapons of war hidden among a shipment of brown sugar coming from Cuba. And uh, the captain of the ship, and I remember this when it happened, tried to kill himself during the during the, this. Uh, takedown or pull it pulling over the ship and of course uh the, the ship had a it was north korean flag had a crew of 35 when it was raided and of course they there was denials all around and this pushback of of oh there's really no threat here uh and that of course was during the at the height of the obama everything is fine kind of plan if i if i if I recall this correctly, so I, you know, I, without getting into detail, the, um, and as a matter of fact, the the, uh, the Panama Canal Authority said the ship could leave actually after after North Korea paid a, a fine of about seven hundred thousand dollars. That that's all that was that's all that was done, and, it, and it's incredible how this it shows you again what is the intent of the red green axis, the Marxist and Muslims. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right, and, and you've been ahead of the curve on this for a long time. And, uh, folks, you're gonna have to listen to what Brandon House is saying here, because his, his entire presentation, how he wraps all of this together and connects the dots, a great piece of investigative work, and pay well, attention. Well, a lot of credit goes to, obviously, Mary Fanning and Alan Jones at the Center for Security Policy, but we have been warning about the Club K car for several years, and as I said two weeks ago in, uh, our national security conference on Friday night, all day Saturday, with myself, John Guandolo, Chris Govitz, Clint Clemens, Jason Pratt, and others. In my presentation, I warned about the Club K container. That was in my presentation. Then the next week, this report comes out that tells us what we knew about the Club K containers, but what we didn't know, which is now a guy who is in a business relationship with the 100% state-owned exporter, Russia owns it, exporter, of the Club K container. This man who's in a business relationship with Russia's, with Russia and this Club K exporter out of Russia is also Saddam Hussein's former nuclear scientist, his madman, his genius, his mastermind. And he's also got access in a large cargo terminal uh, business in the Middle East with a lot of Muslim nations that hate our guts. So again, while there are, by the way, supposed to be U.S. inspectors at these various ports that are examining these cargo containers that are leaving those terminals overseas to come into the U.S., we are supposed to have inspectors doing due diligence on those containers on our behalf to protect our country. But the question is, do you think the system is 100% perfect all the time? That there's no human error? That no one can be bought off? That that that, that the old, uh, you know, pee under the cup, move it all around kind of thing can't happen? Um, no. So this is a serious, serious problem. Uh, again, let me just give you a couple facts from this report by Center for Security Policy. Gulf, Gulf Tainer 
which again is owned by this family, which is connected back to Iraq and Saddam Hussein and now the Russians, is in a joint venture with Russian state-owned Rostec, which owns 100% of the shares of Rosoboron Export, the exporter of the Club K container missile launch system. Rostec entered into joint the joint venture with Gulf Tainer to operate Russian ports infrastructure projects, listen now, with Vladimir Putin personally overseeing the signing of the agreement. As a result, Gulf Tainer became a co-owner of the terminal at the uh, um, port at the Baltic Sea near St. Petersburg, according to Russian Beyond the Headlines. The Club K containers have a shelf life, as I've already said, of 10 years until each unit can, and therefore each unit can lay dormant until activated. Now, here's something else that's very interesting. The article, the uh, report from uh, Security Policy says, Baghdad-born Dr. Jaffer began his high-energy physics career studying nuclear fusion in the Soviet Union after being rejected for a position at his UK alma mater, the University of Birmingham. He spent decades under the tutelage of Saddam's Soviet advisor, KGB General Primakov. Listen now. Here we have again the red-green axis. This guy from Iraq, Dr. Jaffer, under the tutelage of this KGB general, Primakov, Dr. Jaffer has been working with the KGB and its and the successor of the first chief directive, the what we would now call the SVR, instead of the KGB, the SVR, for at least 36 years, according to this report, dating back to 1982. Dr. Jaffer turned to the KGB for technical assistance and advice in concealing his rogue nuclear weapons program inside structures that U.S. satellite imagery analysts would not recognize as WMD facilities. Now listen to this. Spy Master General uh, uh, Primakov, this KGB general, known as the bear in the desert, directed all the KGB SBR's foreign intelligence operations for several years after the 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, this is what is very interesting coming from, from uh, uh, Mary Fanning and Alan Jones's report over at the Secure Center for Security Policy. They state that the general, the KGB general, Primakov, who is um, just ferociously anti-Semitic uh, and fluent in Arabic, uh, that he clandestinely created Russia's Islamic bloc of terror sponsoring Middle Eastern regimes, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and Sudan. Now think about this for a minute. You've got a general who is reportedly very anti-Semitic, speaks Arabic, after the supposed collapse of the Berlin Wall, the fall of communism in 91, we have perestroika. This report makes a very good point, that this was all a front to give the appearance that Russia had collapsed, communism was dead, it was over, America doesn't need to worry about Russia anymore, communism, the former Soviet Union, the evil empire, and while that's all going on, this report and others, they're not the only ones reporting this, this KGB officer, this KGB general, Primakov, starts to organize the Islamic bloc, and they began 
reported on this several years ago and had a former KGB officer on my program who now lives in Maryland saying all this probably six, seven years ago on my program. He said, don't trust Russia for a minute. They're still the old Soviet Union. They're still the KGB. And they are funding terrorism. They are training some of the leading terrorists right out of the Kremlin. Funding them and training them. Well, if you go do your research at frontpagemag.com or any other uh, credible websites that write on this with experts, you will see the names of these known terrorists that have been funded and trained right out of the Kremlin to carry out Islamic jihadi attacks all over the globe. Now, Russia acts like they're happy they got this war on terror themselves, while according to newest experts, including former KGB officers now in the U.S. warning America, that's all a ruse. And one reason they're keeping things stirred up is so that Russia can keep the price of oil higher and use their oil exports and their selling of, of energy to rebuild Mother Russia. So while America is now fighting the war on terror, which experts are saying has actually been orchestrated by the former Soviet Union and Putin and this general, America's fighting the war on terror while we're distracted with that and spending our national treasure literally men and women, and then financially our, 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 our treasury is literally writing checks to fight the war on terror. Russia is kind of being ignored while they're rebuilding their cruise missile systems and submarines and becoming a major superpower. And so you have this Dr. Jaffer under the tutelage of the man, General Primakov of the KGB, who was the mastermind behind building this Islamic bloc. And you think there's nothing to worry about with Dr. Jaffer's Gulf Tainer business having access and control of the Port Canaveral in Florida? And, and Brandon, let me just say this. What you just outlined is perfect. Uh, look, I have been, um, I, I've been doing a lot of research into this. And I, in fact, this morning, my morning show, I spoke about the, um, uh, the Russian involvement here, the perestroika, the, the communist, uh, the, the Soviet communist ideology, it never stopped. It just, it just kind of, uh, um, well, it never stopped with the fall of the Berlin Wall or the collapse of the evil empire. As a matter of fact, I had mentioned today, just anecdotally, you know, more people were upset, uh, at Ronald Reagan for, uh, typifying or describing Russia as the evil empire than they were at Russia being the evil empire. But what you just said here, I think it's so critical for people to understand, and it hits directly at the heart of what we are fighting, is the fact that Russia, Soviet Russia, communist Russia, as it still is, everything that we're seeing take place with respect to the weaponization of Islam, as you point out, the red-green axis, the uh, the use of Islam as a tool of the communist state to... to uh, uh, to, to push toward this global governance. I think that's the big picture here. To tie us up. And what was the old joke? Um, what's the Russian word for Vietnam? It was Afghanistan. I mean, you know, I gave the punchline and the joke there. My delivery, obviously, rather poor, but nonetheless, you get the idea. Uh, as we're approaching here within a minute of our network break, I just want to say thank you. This is fabulous. And we're, of course, we have another, another segment um, after this, but you hit the nail right on the head here. And by the way, this does overlap. For those who are following me, those who follow me on my morning show about, about Uranium One, this has everything to do with that as well. Because the very same people we see in the, in the Russian end of things, 
there we're seeing in the Russian end of things here, and the you know Rosatom and and all of that. Uh, you're talking about the same players. Yeah, and let me just say before you go to break, we're going to be putting out more of this at worldviewradio.com. And if they want to get our text alert system, we're texting out tonight the hour I did with Claire Lopez, former CIA officer. She speaks multiple languages. Yes. If they want to get a link to that, Please. all you got to do is text, text WVW to 88202. Just text WVW to 88202. And tonight we're texting out the alert, the email, the URL link, I should say, the URL link to that interview with Claire Lopez, whose bio is amazing. And a okay. Person. All right. Hold that thought. This is fantastic. I would urge everyone to follow uh, worldviewweekend.com, Brendan House. This is this is incredible and incredibly important information that you need to follow because what we're looking at here is, is really the bottom line is uh, getting struck from within. And, and the and I don't believe I don't believe that. This is incompetence. This is deliberate in our own intelligence agencies, I believe. Now, this is me talking, are responsible for a lot of this. Folks, Brendan House is our guest. Follow him closely. He's got a lot of great intelligence. We'll be right back with more from Brendan House right after this. Stay right where you're at. On this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report, Brandon House is our guest. His website is worldviewweekend.com. And last hour, he mentioned a story that happened in 2013 that I really don't remember reporting on, but it is very relevant now as we are talking about um, these missile systems, these missile launching systems possibly in the United States. North Korea caught smuggling missiles in Panama Canal. Rogue State North Korea has sparked a fresh missile scare after one of its ships was caught trying to sneak in sophisticated weapons in a shipment of sugar. Again, this is from 2013, but the article goes on to say that Coast Guards in the Panama Canal made the incredible find of an undeclared weapon, weapons of war hidden among the shipment of brown sugar coming from communist Cuba. The captain of the ship then tried to kill himself during the dramatic incident rather than face punishment in Panama or possibly from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un and this is a very interesting story and again as I said from 2013 don't remember reporting on this when it happened but this is um, definitely leading to your argument Brandon about the missile systems being here on continental US soil ready to go and then you have you know North Korea with an ongoing feud with the United States trying to smuggle weapons in Shipments of brown sugar. Exactly. Now, Brandon, before we go any further, why don't you tell people how your your social networking platforms, Twitter, it, it's uh, WVW Online, right? That's right. WVW Online is our Twitter handle. Right. Follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Worldview Weekend. Uh, they can get our free radio and TV app at WVWTV.com forward slash APP. That's WVWTV.com forward slash APP. We have a Roku channel with lots of programs on there for free. They can find our free Roku channel. Details on that at WVWTV.com forward slash Roku. 
Wow. And if they want our text alerts, they can just text WBW to 88202. Okay. Thank you. Because No, they, thank you. It, well, I, I want people really, folks, look, um, until, until we can't do this anymore, Twitter is kind of, is just follow us, follow Brennan on Twitter, WVW online. That's Worldview Weekend, abbreviated WVW online. Follow uh, Brennan on Twitter. It's kind of a good thing to do. And of course, the, uh, worldviewweekend.com to get all of the, um, and WVWTV.com is where you would get the app and, and such. We need, I'm going to tell you right now. We need to get the word out. Brandon is doing just that. Brandon, I want to take another second of your time. Go ahead. Let's move on. Well, let me just talk about the, the, the well, thank you for that too, uh, for promoting our stuff. That's generous of you. Um, let me tell you what this report again, and I want to make sure we're giving plenty of kudos and credit to Mary Fanning and Alan Jones, who wrote this 91 page report that you can get as a PDF at the Center for Security Policy's website. You can download it as a PDF, uh, for free. Uh, this is Frank Gaffney's organization. And again, I interviewed today Claire Lopez, who is uh, one of their top people there at the Center for Security Policy. And again, I'll be posting that interview tonight where we did a whole hour on this. And she's a former CIA officer, speaks numerous uh, languages. She speaks Spanish. She speaks uh, Bulgarian, French, German, Russian, is currently studying Farsi. Um, she lectures at all kinds of uh, places, Army War College, FBI Academy. I mean, this woman is very, very credible, Claire Lopez. I had her for the whole hour, and most of the time was discussing this. Now, I've been covering this on my radio show for about a week, but I really wanted to get someone from the Center for Security Policy on our broadcast uh, to go through this report with me, and she did, and I'll be sending that out tonight at worldviewradio.com. We broadcast live on about 35 stations every day, and then uh, we post the shows at night at worldviewradio.com and on Twitter and Facebook, and then we text alert them uh, on occasions when it really rises to that occasion. Tonight, that's the case. Well, one of the things we talked about, guys, is the uh, beach ball. Uh, this report states that with the arrival of the Club K, this cargo container system that lifts up and out of it launches can launch four cruise missiles. Uh, with the arrival of the Club K, the true scale of the threat from Dr. Jaffer, who's now company Gulf Tainer, has a 35-year lease on Port Canaveral in Florida. Remember, Dr. Jaffer uh, is Saddam Hussein's former mastermind for his nuclear program. Uh, so now that we have the arrival of the Club K, the true skill threat from Dr. Jaffer's beach ball must be recalculated. Well, what is the beach ball? Well, the Wisconsin Project described Dr. Jaffer's beach ball this way, quote, the latest blueprint, according to the United Nations inspectors, is of a sphere measuring 32 to 35 inches in diameter with 32 detonators. The bomb would weigh less than a ton and fit on a Scud missile the weapon Mr. Hussein used in war in the in the war to hit Israel and kill American troops. The article goes on to state that defense analysts call the arrival of the Club K an asymmetrical asymmetrical game changer that shifted the U.S. Russia strategic balance of power to Russia's advantage. Russia is even equipping its new state-of-the-art. Arctic icebreakers with the Club K missile systems. And again, the report says that officials at NORTHCOM, NORAD, concede that the United States has no off-the-shelf technical solutions for A, or number one, tracking the Club K units that determined uh, adversaries may have already uh, smuggled into the U.S., or two, defending America from surprise Club K 
cruise missile attacks, which could include nuclear and EMP attacks. The coupling of the beach ball, says the report, Dr. Jaffer and Gulf Tainer of uh, uh, Russia's Club K container missile launch system and the placement of Dr. Jaffer inside the wire at Port Canaveral adds up to a national security catastrophe in the making. And that's according to the Center for Security Policy run by Frank Gaffney to put out this report. And I think he was the Deputy Assistant Director uh, or the Deputy Assistant uh, Secretary of Defense under Ronald Reagan. And then I would add something that's not in their report that we covered on our TV program the other night at situationroom.net, and that is the Venezuelan company, as we said, Sidco, this petroleum company, now in financial crisis and coming to their rescue with some cash, Russia, who now, according to numerous reports, has about a 50% stake in Sidco. Sidco now has three oil refineries in the U.S. and 48 oil, oil terminals for them to move these things around, these cargo containers around. That would be very concerning. Let me also give you a quote from this report. One of the reports I wanted, uh, paragraphs I wanted to read to you is this. The study of evolving Russian military doctrine reveals that the Club K container cruise missile launchers smuggled through U.S. ports and armed with caliber-class NATO codenamed Sizzler cruise missiles could be used in a Pearl Harbor-style attack on U.S. naval forces sitting in port. The report goes on to say the Club K gives, quote, any merchant vessel the capability to wipe out an aircraft carrier, end quote. These Club K container cruise missile attacks could be augmented by force-multiplying submarine fleets from Iran, a member of the Islamic bloc, remember that was put together by this General Primakov, uh, while we thought the Cold War was over and communism collapsed, behind the scenes, this former KGB uh, General uh, Primakov, uh, known as the Bear of the Desert, is putting together the Islamic bloc, and again, they're funding and training uh, Islamic terrorists through the Kremlin. Uh, so you could have Iran involved, a member of the Islamic bloc. Two, from North Korea, Vietnam, and China, members of the Trans-Asian Axis, and from Russia. These submarines, such as the Russian uh, Ukula 2 class, along with surface warships and merchant ships, also carrying caliber cruise missiles, could result in a massive coordinated surprise cruise missile attack from both off U.S. shores and from within the U.S. interior, including highways, rail lines and rivers. By the way, some of our enemies have boasted of attacking us with these missiles on the back of semi-trucks, uh, flatbed uh, rail cars that they would be stacked on, or from uh, having these cargo containers put on barges and placed on our rivers. Think Mississippi River. A single club came with missiles, four missiles carrying nuclear and can, or conventional weapons could devastate several U.S. cities, says the report. Each individual Club K container unit armed with four cruise missiles is known as a universal launching missile. The four cruise missiles can engage multiple targets. Russia designed its Club K system container units to be used in large numbers as components of a massive preemptive distributed lethality attack against the United States. A coordinated Club K attack by Russia and its affiliates could immediately limit America's counter-strike options and capabilities. The uh, collaboration of the naval forces of Russia and other axis of evil states, including Iran and North Korea, is the distributed lethality, lethality tactic of a widely deploying Russian-caliber cruise missiles around Axis submarines and hidden in Club K cargo containers, which can launch caliber cruise missiles from ships, riverine boats, rail cars, and semi-trucks inside the United States. Now listen to this. The Russian Defense Journal 
The Russian Defense Journal, uh, they, they wrote about this. It's been translated, and here's what we read, translated from Russian. Quote, thanks to the caliber cruise missiles, nuclear and conventional submarines will no longer have to change ship targets all across the ocean, but strike them in their ports, attacking them from long ranges. They can now attack a wide range of land targets from directions poorly protected by air defense. Like I was saying earlier, there's no defense system for protecting from off our shores on either side of the coast or from something within. That's not what our military was preparing for. They were preparing in their long-term strategies from years gone by from attack from something like the former Soviet Union. So Russia knows this. They can now attack a wide range of land targets from directions poorly protected by air defenses. This also applies to attacks on surface ships. In the near future, Russian submarines, missile boats, and surface ships will be able to hold at risk all important sites in Europe and in the Middle East. While the nuclear subs will have the U.S. as their potential target, we believe that the idea of placing calibers in standard 40-foot containers, the caliber K system, or the Club K system, installed on civilian ships, including riverine ones, such concealed floating arsenals can operate on seas and rivers unnoticed. Club S export version is also enjoying success. It's been installed on more than 20 diesel electric submarines delivered to Algeria, Vietnam, India, and China. Iranian soldiers are casting uh, uh, covetous gazes at them. So this is from a Russian journal, if I remember correctly, going back to 2015. They're boasting about the very thing we're talking about here in 2017. This is amazing. Now, now what would you say to someone that that would say to you, and I know that we're kind of perhaps going backwards on this, but how would you respond to, to someone who, who's saying, well, you know what, you're sending a lot of, a lot of the old, uh, you know, Bush, uh, people, uh, under, from the Bush administration. And of course, we think back to, uh, Colin Powell, uh, you know, at the, at the United Nations holding up that little vial of, of anthrax or, you know, what was reported to be anthrax. And the WMD, weapons of mass destruction, um, pretext for invading Iraq. How would you how would you counter that by by someone who would say, well, you know what, this sounds a whole lot like, uh, you know, fear mongering based on like a WMD kind of um, pretext. Yeah. Well, you know, the uh, there were no weapons of mass destruction is what they all came out to tell us. Well, that doesn't seem to be backed up by the fact that we know that Dr. Jaffer was up to what he was up to. Not to mention, you have a General George... You'll have to look his name up. You can maybe search it for me real quick. I want to say General George... I don't even attempt the last name. But there was an an Iraqi general, George something-another, who became a Christian and came to the United States of America a few years ago and toured churches and spoke in churches. I know one of the churches he spoke at. I've spoken at that church in Minneapolis. And, uh, in fact, Sean Hannity had this, this former Iraqi general on his program. General, General George Strata, or whatever his name was. Strata. Yeah. Thank general George Strata, he says that the weapons of mass destruction were loaded on 747s and shipped out of Iraq, I think, over to uh, Syria, if I, if I remember co- correct. 
correctly. So again, I, I, I think between what we're being told by experts related to what Dr. Jaffer was up to, uh, General Sada, what he testified to and wrote about in his book and then toured America and spoke in American churches and on conservative talk radio and TV, uh, they did have these things. And so um, I, okay. I don't know why the Bush administration was always so eager to concede some kind of defeat and they got it wrong. I always thought if I was President Bush, I would have I would have paraded out General George when he was here in America and said, tell the American people what you know. Uh, but right. George W. wasn't very good at defending himself, was he? No, not, not at all. And and yeah, not no, no. I I mean he, no, of course not. And, and uh, General Sada indeed had wasn't a position to know, and certainly wasn't a position um, to verify to validate what was moved from Iraq to Syria. So I think yeah. So so okay, all right. This does make sense. But even today, some, what, uh, 16 years after the initial uh, invasion of Iraq or attack in Iraq, Desert uh, desert Shield, Desert Storm, we are seeing, I think, the refinement, and I think you might agree with me, the refinement now of, of or this escalation of the hostilities, or, oh, that's a bad word, but the escalation of the threat, I suppose, the increase uh, to, to the United States. And, and I think that that's what this is all about. Now, one question for you. Russia, many people believe that Russia is our friend. So they, they wouldn't do any of this to us. But really, the Cold War, the Cold War just changed forms. We're still de- dealing with, uh, Russian military, GRU, and others, are we not? So, so this is, this is still a war. It is, and may I remind you who Putin was. I mean, he's an old KGB officer. He is a communist to the core, and this whole thing that, hey, you know, we're going to mix a little capitalism with a little communism. Uh, this is also known as communitarianism, perestroika, whatever you want to call it, Fagin socialism. Uh, this is not new, and so many people, again, assume, hey, you know, Russia is our friend. But uh, I interviewed, as I said, uh, several years ago now, this former KGB officer who now resides in, in Maryland, and I had him on for the whole hour, and he kept saying, you know, you Americans need to realize Russia is not your friend. And, uh, of course, he was friends with the, the guy named Alex that was poisoned with the plutonium that was put in his tea. We all know the picture, I think, pretty well, him in his hospital bed with no hair and, and just, you know, hours from dying. Well, what was he doing? He was trying to point out all the bad stuff that Putin was up to and many of the uh, things he was staging. And he, again, has this whole front of we're fighting terror and terrorism, and in some cases, uh, experts say, carrying out some of the terrorist attacks in his own country, blaming it on the, 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 the Muslims. That, indeed, of course, bolsters his uh, uh, image with the people of Russia, that he's the one that's going to protect the Russian people from the terrorists, when in reality, he could have very well been the one to carry out these terrorist attacks, blame it on the, the Muslims, but at the same time, he's working with the Muslims, with his general Primakov, who is known as the Desert of the Bear, who's organizing the uh, Islamic bloc to wage war on their enemies. Now, from a biblical perspective, this has biblical implications prophetically, because Ezekiel 38 and 39 speaks about a coalition of nations coming together 
and moving against the nation of Israel. And those nations, uh, Gog, Magog, the leader of the coalition, uh, Gog and Magog, this leader Gog and his coalition, is made up of Rosh, or Russia. It's made up of, of Persia, Iran. It's made up of many of the nations that we would recognize today, which, by the way, just happened to be part of this Islamic bloc that the general was putting together and has put together. So, biblically speaking, we see these nations come together with Russia, many of them being of Islamic nature, uh, many of the breakaway republics of the former USSR are Islamic of nature, and they all come together with their shared hatred of Israel and America. America, the great Satan, Israel, the little Satan. So, again, uh, prophetically speaking, if you believe the Bible and follow the Bible, which I do, then this has, I think, prophetic implications in that we see the coalitions already being built and working together. And people can mock it if they want to. I mean, I don't, whatever your eschatology listener happens to be, and different people have different end-time beliefs for eschatologies, and they're free to do that. I have friends that don't agree with my pre-trib dispensational eschatology, and that's fine. But I see a lot of nations mentioned in the Bible under different names, but you can go back and we can tell who they are today. Russia, Israel, Iran, uh, Syria, Turkey. I mean, a lot of these nations are there, um, but America is not. What has happened to America? It, it, even if you just take the Bible out of it and just say, okay, from a common sense standpoint, what makes sense if you're going to move against Israel? Well, if you're going to move against Israel, it would make sense to get rid of Israel's biggest ally and defender, and that would be America. And so you have to wonder what has happened to America. And I have to wonder if America hasn't collapsed economically, hasn't uh, killed itself off, suicide, with all the stup stupid things we're up to as a nation, vain, useless, and futile, a nation of fools, per Romans 1, uh, given over by God and judged. Or could it be God uses uh, the, the enemies of, of America to bring judgment? And that indeed may be what is happening that God is allowing nations uh, like Russia and many others to invade us and to bring us down as part of our judgment. And what's very interesting is that you see in the Old Testament, in the book of Nahum, such a scenario where these enemies are used to bring judgment on Israel uh, for what they have done, disobeying God, but eventually... God allows nations to turn around and destroy them. And you have to, and what I see coming is a scenario where something has happened to America, we're out of the way, now these nations, as Marxist Muslim Axis is able to move against Israel, but then after they move against Israel, God supernaturally intervenes and he destroys them, Ezekiel 38-39 speak of this, so the whole world will know that he is God, that he's the Lord basically say that the enemies that are setting up to try to bring down what they call the great Satan America, they themselves will eventually be brought down. But I believe, prophetically speaking, it's very possible that God is allowing our enemies to take over America and bring us down as part of the national judgment that we're going through, which then would result in uh, the New World Order. And, and I totally agree with that assessment, by the way. Now we got, we only have about four minutes left until the end of this segment. So I, I want to make sure people really, uh, subscribe to your program and really have a handle on how to listen, uh, and, and such. So please give out your information again, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, they can uh, follow us at worldviewradio.com, worldviewradio.com. Uh, they'll find our TV shows. If they go to one landing page, worldviewradio.com, look at the top of the page, as your guy was doing earlier, you'll see our news division, our radio division, our TV division. You'll see all of that. Uh, if they want to get our text alerts, we, we use that very sparingly. There it is. There's the page. So you can see our TV division, our news division, our radio division. We have something there called Tube, Worldview Tube. That's a lot of free video clips. We've done a lot of video clips recently. You can watch those free video clips with uh, again, they're free. A lot of interviews and programs and presentations done by John Guandolo, Chris Govitz, and others. So they can go and benefit from a lot of free stuff. Our Situation Room is our VIP club. They can join for as little as $9.99 a year, excuse me, a month, or $99 a year. And uh, it's over 13,000 radio shows, TV shows. Uh, and, and again, most of our material is not date sensitive. We really deal with a lot of stuff that's not date sensitive on purpose. So they get access to that if they want. But if they want to get our text alert, we do send those out very sparingly. They can simply text WVW to 88202, WVW to 88202, and join our text alert system. And then they can also, of course, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is um, WVW Online, at WVW Online. And our Facebook page is Facebook.com forward slash Worldview. Weekend, And we bring in a lot of experts like John Guandolo, former FBI counterterrorism expert, Chris Govitz, who infiltrated CARE. Um, we have Dr. Peter Pry. He has a 30-minute weekly show that we produce and distribute exclusively. We have shows by other experts as well. Some of them are religious of nature, but others are just simply news and national security in nature. And they'll find them all on our website at worldviewradio.com. Like I said, land at worldviewradio.com, and from there you'll find our TV page and everything else. Perfect. And thank you for doing that. Again, I, I, I follow what you do. This is a lot of your, your stuff is show prep for me. Um, it, it's good intelligence. You're, you're the people that you're connected with are reliable sources, and we thank you. You've got about a minute and a half in closing, whatever you and, – and thank you, by the way, for, for bringing this around to the biblical context as well. A lot of people are you know, curious about that, so I think you nailed it right – you know, nailed it very well. About a minute, uh, Brandon, whatever you want to close out with. Well, well, thank you. And, and I would say, look, we're not peddling fear here, uh, but we are pre- peddling preparedness. And people better wake up. Uh, the FEMA director recently came out, and he said we need a culture of preparedness. And um, I started talking about EMP a long time ago, but last year I started letting people know about what I've done for my family. And as a result, people started saying, well, where do we get those things? And so I thought, well, instead of pushing them off on some company, we'll make them available, and we do. And uh, we created a website where we offer resources at esdepot.com. ESDepot.com. Uh, the longer URL is emergency supplies uh, depot.com, or just again the short URL, ESDepot.com. And we put up a lot of things that our family has. We, everything we sell, we have. We tried first, and then we make it available to our listeners. And again, we're not calling for people to panic, to be afraid, to have a spirit of fear and weakness, but we are calling for preparedness. And again, the FEMA director was saying twice now in front of the White House and then on a CBS News report, he said, I can't figure out why the American people won't get ready. The, the, the American government, officials who have left government have, have already said that the government is not going to be the Calvary to show up. They, they can't. If you have an EMP attack from one of these cargo containers, and again, we focused a lot on the nuclear side, there's an EMP attack. 
You're talking about just-in-time inventory breaking down in days. So I would say be prepared. Very well said, Brandon. Brandon House, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this important information with us, and we look forward to having you on again. Again, the website, worldviewweekend.com. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere. You know, when people talk about uh, relationships between the U.S. and Russia, I would really urge caution uh, about falling too far into the Russia is our good friend uh, aspect or, or line of thought. Now, you may think that since the dissolution of the Soviet Union, of that Soviet Empire, all things are just cool and fine. And you may even think, well, Vladimir Putin, he's more of a Christian, and Russia is more of a Christian nation than, than we are. There are some elements of truth to that. A lot of that has been exploited to the um, uh, to the benefit of Russia, however. You've got to really understand the truth. Now, that's not to say that Russia is as it was during its communist you know, Soviet Union days. That's not to say that. But you've got to be very careful about the uh, about how you describe things. And you also have to be very careful, too, about what Obama has done. And you've got to think about this. Obama and Clinton. Remember Benghazi. Remember what that was about. That was about running weapons shipments up through northern Africa uh, from the east, of course, from the uh, uh, some of the countries, uh, uh, the Saudi Arabian or the uh, uh, Islamic countries from the east, across northern Africa, out of Libya, into Syria, through Lebanon and other areas, of course, up there through staging areas, and then ultimately into Syria. Well, those weapons were being used, of course, against who? Against the Assad regime. And who was backing the Assad regime? Russia. So what was Benghazi about? Benghazi was a proxy attack by Russia using al-Nusra and other elements against the United States. So this is not um, your evening news kind of information that you're getting. This is a deep analysis, deeper analysis by people outside of the government who know what you know what's going on here. And I would just urge everyone to exercise a lot of caution. The other thing is as well, there's one more thing too, is to connect the dots and understand that we have seen what we're well what we're seeing today is this push toward this con and I spoke about it on my radio show today. Uh, look at the bigger picture because of the one world order global governance kind of mentality that's being pushed by the Democracy Alliance, for example, and the Soros group and all of these other progressive groups are communist in nature. This is what we're seeing. And it's a, it could be a Soviet, Soviet style communism or a Maoist style communism. 
communism, however, is is communism. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. I, I would not uh, fall for a lot of the rhetoric that we are hearing from the mainstream media, and that's why that's why it's so important uh, when we have guests on like Brendan House that uh, speak to analysts like Claire Lopez and uh, Frank Gaffney and others. And this is why we have to think outside of the box too. That's, that's all I'm saying. And the strategic interests of Russia, when it comes down to it, you talk about a nationalist um, push for a globalist uh, oversight or a globalist over- overtaking. You're looking at Russia as being a big part of that. And um, go back and read. And I'm a big proponent of reading. If you didn't hear my, if you don't listen to my morning show, that's fine. Uh, in my morning show, I mentioned books like Venona, the Venona cable, uh, g- Cables, um, also, American Betrayal by Diana West, big proponent of that book as well, gives you a lot of deep background into the communist mindset and infiltration here in America. And this is what we're seeing, and you can bring it all the way forward to what we're seeing today, and that's the collusion, the Russian collusion. But I'm not talking about the Donald Trump Russian collusion. I'm talking about the Hillary Clinton Obama Russian collusion for the advancement of communism as the architecture for a global governance. That's all I want to say. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. We have with us Greg Jackson, his website, gregjackson.com. He's joined us tonight to talk about the Roy Moore situation. Greg, welcome back to the show. Well, good to be here. Can you see me okay, guys? Yeah, we can. You had a, you're, you're a little, you're a little bit scratchy on the, on the, on the sound. Uh, alright, okay. Is that better? Well, I, Eric, just keep going. Alright. But, but by the way, your book, we won't get fooled again. We're going to be referencing this book, uh, folks, this book, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't get fooled again. Greg Jackson, of course, we're going to be referencing this book here in our conversation. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, and by the way, Doug, that was the first time I was ever on your show. I think it was in 2009 when it came out. And I did the interview from a hotel room in Nebraska, and it was a three-hour interview. Yeah. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, but it yeah. Was pretty, it, it pretty was pretty amazing. 2011. Just getting started. Yeah, 2011. You're right. About 2011. Yep. So, well, hey, thank you for having me on, guys, and an incredibly important first hour and a half that I listened to every second of. Brandon did a phenomenal job uh, outlining basically a clear and present danger, national, massive national security threat that virtually nobody else in the mainstream media is talking about, and I thought that you guys covered it very well. And as Joe mentioned, I am a little bit and talk about what I believe to be uh, a, a pretty significant domestic attack, spiritual attack, and that has to do with Judge Roy Moore. Now, Doug, as, as you know, uh, because we've discussed this in the past, um, I got I got to know Judge Moore in 2008 when I emceed the presidential sessions at the Conservative Political Action Conference. I introduced all the all the presidential candidates that, that year. That was the year my first book, Conservative Comeback to Liberal Lies, came out, and I, I guess I was somewhat of a of a rising star in the whole conservative movement 
which when I look back on it, it's kind of, it was just, uh, a little bit silly. And, and, and since your appearance with us, we snuffed, right. it, it, we snuffed that <laughs> out. All right. Just to be clear, any thought he'd be in Rising Star coming on with us, snuff that right in the, go ahead. Well, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a little less professional than Mr. House, whose studio dwarfs mine. Mine's not as fancy. Actually, I'm at Jake, my son, who will be running for president in 2032, as John Robertson likes to say. He is at hockey practice uh, t- tonight, so I'm doing it uh, where I do a lot of my interviews from my car. <laughs> so there. I, I, I but, thought maybe uh, you might be in, in Vail skiing or something. I, I don't know, but uh, okay. Well, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. But I live at the uh, at the hockey rink, and uh, parents in the audience who have kids that play hockey know exactly what I'm saying. Uh, three or four nights a week minimum at this particular rink here in Denver, where. Uh, at Denver University, but back to the uh, to the book, we won't get fooled again. I had the opportunity to not only meet Judge Moore, um, and, and and what I want to do is really provide just my honest sense of what is going on, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then uh, the the good news, kind of at the end of this segment for the in terms of the big picture, uh, what this is really all about, and I, I will say that. Um, Doug, when I met uh, Judge Moore, who I think was, he had a book out uh, at, at the time as well. That was one of the primary reasons he was at CPAC speaking. And I saw him having breakfast uh, one morning at the hotel that we were staying at. I went over to his table, introduced myself, gave him a copy of my book. Um, we, we talked for a little bit, told him how much I admired him. And uh, a couple of years later, I interviewed him a few times, both uh, on WRKO in Boston, where I had a radio show, and then later um, on KDAR in, in Los Angeles. And so I had interviewed him a few times. On one particular occasion, Doug, and I'll, Doug, I'll just mention this as context and background. I Just to kind of give you a glimpse and your listeners as to what type of guy Judge Roy Moore is, I interviewed him, and I had written an article on town hall called entitled what George Bush's last act as president should be or something to the, to that effect and it was it was uh, pretty controversial on town hall because i basically the theme of the article was that if you claim to be pro life president bush then as your last official act you should issue a proclamation a sanctity of life proclamation ending all abortions, closing down all the abortuaries in America. And the argument in the, in the article, Doug and Joe, was that the President of the United States has an obligation, a duty to enforce the God-given right to life for all innocent human persons when any individual state fails to do so, from the womb to the tomb, as it were. And so that was the central premise of my argument that the president not only has the right but the duty to do so when individual states fail to protect and defend the most sacred right that any individual human person possesses. So I I discussed that article with Judge Moore on my radio show one day, kind of ran past the, the, the central premise of the article with him to get his take on it. I had also done that similarly with Dr. Alan Keyes and uh, 
Dr. Professor Herb Titus, who founded Regent uh, uh, Law School, Christian Law School. And all of them agreed, including Judge Moore, that they thought, based on their understanding of law, that it would not only be the right of the president to do so, but that he would be oath-bound, duty-bound to do so. So I really thought nothing of it. It was a good interview. And then about an hour later, I get a call in my car, just doing my day job, heading off to a hospital. I get a call in a car, and it's Judge Moore's uh, assistant. And the assistant says, Greg, uh, Judge Moore would like to talk to you. And it kind of sounded like the tone that I had heard many times growing up from my mom coming into my room and saying, Oh, you in trouble. Dad wants to talk to you. You in trouble now. <laughs> Joe, I'm sure you heard that from, from your father a few times as well. Oh, yeah. He still um, does. Know that tone. Your dad would like to talk to you, and it's never good. But this time it actually was good. So Judge Moore gets on the phone and says, in a southern, you know, beautiful southern accent, you know, Greg, you know, I've been thinking about in my office, you know, some of the things that you said about your article, and I wanted to kind of flesh it out. So he actually asked me all of these questions and, you know, back and forth. And I said, you know, Judge, I have read the Constitution, but I haven't been to law school. Uh, and so I, I don't know that I'm a constitutional scholar, but I don't think the Constitution was written in such a way that you have to be a constitutional scholar to understand the simple meaning and language that the United States Constitution, the Supreme Law of the Land, is written in. He agreed, and at the time, I think he was considering a run for governor of the state of Alabama. And I told him, I said, you know, I think that that's what you should run on. You should run on, if you're elected, that you will enforce the God-given right to life for all innocent human persons by ending abortion in your state. I even talked to people from his campaign, and he couldn't have been any more uh, just humble, receptive. I hate to use the word nice because it's such a, such a cliche, but here's the bottom line. I bring that up not as self-aggrandizement or to tell a cool story, but I tell that story just as context that Judge Roy Moore, Supreme Court Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, is going to call a radio talk show host who's never been to law school, half his age, to flesh out the, this particular constitutional question and issue. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that spoke the type of man Judge Roy Moore is. Now, fast forward a few years later, as you referenced, Doug, um, my co-author Steve Dace and I wrote this book called We Won't Get Fooled Again, where the Christian right went wrong and how to make America right again. We interviewed all of these Christian conservative leaders from all across the, the spectrum. And it's, it really is a cool book. And it, and it really goes in to why the, uh, where, where the Christian right went wrong. And it's essentially, if I could sum it up, it's we, when, when we basically kick God to the curb and his word to the curb, uh, and stop and stop being principled based on God's word and the Constitution, uh, and started acting too pragmatically. That's when we really started to 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 lose most of 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 the of the great battles, not only the culture war but it politically as well. So if people are interested, they can go to Amazon. They can read the reviews. It's it, it is a great read, even still today, six or seven years later, Doug and Joe. But 
The you, bottom line. I, I read. We, by the way, ahead. by the Go way, ahead, I, I just read. I read the interview with Judge Roy Moore. Uh, you had you had left left me a message, and I thank you for that because I had forgotten completely about that, and so so I pulled this off my bookshelf, which it was about time for there me to is. do so, and. and it is. It's a phenomenal read. Uh, anyone who doesn't have it, uh, hey, this is, you know what? Great stocking stuffer. Grab this book. It, it, a lot of deep background, good background. Um, now, against the better, or against the will of both Eric the Tech and Joe, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this. But, um, Greg, yes, did he touch you? Did he molest you? <laughs> if not, we don't want to hear it. Seriously, I, I mean. I, so let's get to the charges, yeah, shall we? Right. Let's 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 get right to the heart of the matter. First of all, this goes without saying, but you know, obviously, um, I oppose all forms of sexual harassment. Um, I, I mean that 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 goes without saying. Um, here's here's the bottom line. I have read the accusations against Judge Roy Moore. And, and I'm sorry if I seem to be a, a tad skeptical here, but coming from Gloria Allred, who is the lawyer that is representing the, quote-unquote, uh, I guess, plaintiffs, and this isn't even a, a, a case, an official case, but uh, the accusers, let's call them, Miss Lee Korfman and Beverly Nelson, those are the two star witnesses, as it were. Uh, but... I'm sorry if I'm a tad skeptical about Gloria Allred, this red diaper doper baby communist lawyer who's made a career out of slander, libel, and false accusations, who basically carries water for the Democrat Party and George Soros, who is a proven liar, who I believe if it's proven that she's made these false accusations against a judge Moore in representing her clients should probably be disbarred. But having said that, let's take a look at the evidence because I will preface it by saying if it is proven in a court of law, because we are, I hope, still innocent until proven guilty, I mean not in the Google and Facebook world, but in the real world, that's supposed to be how it is in our representative constitutional republic. But if it is proven in, in the future, Doug and Joe, that Judge Moore is actually uh, guilty of the charges against him, I'd be the first one to, to say, hey, you got to step down. And I'm sure that, that Judge Moore would. Uh, but in the absence of any evidence, uh, I believe that um, the uh, that it's a, that, that the, the burden of proof is on Gloria Allred and, and her plaintiffs. I see this as nothing more than a witch hunt. Um, when you look, for example... You know, the devil has his schemes and strategies. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.11. He's the accuser of the brethren. This is, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. This is the Democrat Sololinskyite playbook, in my opinion, based on the evidence. Here's why I say that. They did the same thing to Clarence Thomas, Bob Packwood, Bruce Hershenson, and uh, Gloria Allred smeared Meg Whitman and basically... Uh, stopped her from becoming the governor of the state of California, in my opinion. But if we look at the accusers very quickly here, Lee Korfman, 1979, 40 years ago, accuses Judge Moore, 40 years ago, of touching her inappropriately when she was allegedly 14 years old. 
well, let's take a look at Lee Korfman. Who is this person? Well, we know that three times she's falsely accused other pastors of the same thing. Three times she's filed for bankruptcy. Three times filed for divorce. And if you look at back to her youth, apparently she had quite a bit, she had many, many issues with drugs, alcohol, and got into a lot of trouble. Uh, by the way, I find it rather curious that she never mentioned these allegations when Judge Moore wrote, uh, uh, ran for other public offices, but waited 40 years when he's running for the Senate. Let's take a look at accuser number two, Miss Beverly Nelson. She accused Moore of assaulting her 40 years ago, but to me, Doug and Joe, her story just doesn't add up. Here's why. The supposed signature of the yearbook that supposedly, allegedly, uh, Mr. Judge Moore signed, well, I think that this, there's significant ins, inconsistencies which have been demonstrated that essentially makes Barack Obama's totally forged birth certificate on the White House website look legit, in my opinion. And here's what I mean. Number one, in the yearbook, there's two colors of ink. There's different strokes and structure and slant and alignment from uh, uh, experts that have looked at it. Moore's alleged message wasn't consistent with his vernacular at the time. There's two sets of sevens in the, in 1977 that are totally different. She claimed Moore locked the car from inside with these child locks in 1977, yet child locks weren't invented and put in cars until the 1980s. That to me is, uh, uh, you know, pretty, you know, sub substantial evidence that she's lying. Uh, Nelson's own son, Daryl, or stepson, I should say, says he doesn't believe her. Nelson's ex-boyfriend today is on record saying that he doesn't believe her. Aldred admitted that Nelson never saw more signer yearbook. Plus, who signs a yearbook in December? Don't you get your yearbook in, like, May or June? Uh, it's almost, to me, Joe and Doug, like Aldred said to Nelson hey, what proof do you have? And she said, I got this yearbook. And Aldridge said, is that all? And she probably said, that's all. And so they got a yearbook with a lot of very, very uh, questionable, and I think I'm being very kind when I use that term, evidence. But here's the deal. You can go to Moore's website, and you can see a whole host, his Senate website, uh, of women that affirms his integrity, his uprightness, his moral behavior. And I'm, I'm sorry, guys, if I'm a little skeptical here, but this is what I think it's really all about. Here's what it's about. It's about the fact that Judge Roy Moore, um, and, and there's an interesting quote. I'm just going to read it, guys, if you could. It's a short quote from the book uh, uh, that, that I quote yeah, him in. Yeah, sure. Uh, in the interview, and we won't get fooled again, because I think it's the best, and here it is. Well, and this is more, uh, Judge Moore talking. Well, there's a higher law than a federal court order. It's the United States Constitution, and there's an even higher law than that, and that's God's law. It just so happens that the United States Constitution was written in conformity with God's law. There was no dissonance to it. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution recognized that God is the creator God. Hey, now, 
Do you think that the powers that be and the good old boys club, you know, the Skull and Bones boys, the uh, John McCain, Songbird McCain, uh, the gay blade, uh, what's his name, Lindsey Graham, you think uh, the, the, the guy from Kentucky, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, Paul Rhino, you think the good old boys club globalist statists who are basically... Uh, you know, Democrats in, in, in Republican clothing really want a guy like Roy Moore who believes that government exists to protect uh, a God-given inalienable rights in the Senate? Do you think they want a guy like Roy Moore who knows that judicial supremacy is a lie? A guy like Judge Moore who said, uh, uh, you know, when the supposed uh, court told him, you can't pray in this court, you got to take down the Ten Commandments uh, statue in this court. Uh, who told them where they could take their supposed court orders? Do you think they want a guy like Roy Moore, who said, "Oh, thanks for your opinion, Supreme Court, on Obergefell, but sorry, in Alabama, we're not going to issue marriages licenses to same-sex couples because court opinions, especially ones that are..." immoral, unconstitutional, and legally null and void don't hold any standing in the state of Alabama. So I think I'm going to ignore your supposed opinion that you belched forth, Mr. Supreme Court Justice. You think they want somebody like Judge Moore serving in the United States Senate? I think not. What we're seeing here is the last dying gasps, like the Wicked Witch in the East in... in uh, the Wizard of Oz, I'm dying, I'm melting. That's what you're hearing from these pathetic Luciferians who want to take all of the attention away from real sexual assault, by mostly by Democrat Luciferian Satanists like Hillary Clinton, who defended a child rapist, that's the only job she ever had, uh, whose husband was the one of the worst sexual pervert pervert deviants ever in politics who was in the White House, that's what they want to take our attention away from, the pedophile rings that President Trump is exposing. So isn't this just a little bit too convenient that now they have their moral turpitude and they're, they're going up against Judge Roy Moore because they're so against sexual assault? Come on. Exactly, and, and I've got to say this. I, I really believe that the closest thing we have in comparison to the accusations against Judge Roy Moore would be on par with what we saw with Clarence Thomas because people are trying to take equivalence with Frank and L. Frank and, and others, and it's just not there. Uh, by the way, Greg, what we've done is we've far, uh, we're foregoing the top of the hour break, and if you could stay with us for another 10, 15 minutes or until your son climbs in the vehicle and you got to go, um, or even put your son on if that's the case. But, but if you can stay with us for a little bit longer, we'd really appreciate that. Do you have the time? Would love to. All right. All right. So, 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 uh, but what do you say to, okay, and, and I agree with you 100% because what Judge Roy Moore represents is a direct threat to the, the, the moral, the, the, the value, the spiritual values that, that, that he embraces and, and that we as a nation embrace, unlike others. So the, the going after Judge Roy Moore is going, is totally different and more visceral than against, uh, 
the accusations against others, um, I believe. So you, you can't, so, so, you know, the closest I, I've got comparison would be to Clarence Thomas, as you mentioned. It, it, but, but the fact is, you know, Judge Roy Moore personally, Having had lunch with, and folks, Greg Jackson had sat down, had lunch with Judge Roy Moore, uh, knows him personally. Now, I'm not, I don't want to overstate that relationship, but nonetheless, it's more than any one of us has, uh, has had. So, you've been, you, you're able to, to gauge his credibility, and, and you're saying, no question. Well, I'm, look, I, you know, I'm not Nostradamus. Um, I, I'm not claiming to, you know, know Judge Roy Moore's heart. I don't, I know him through probably five or six radio interviews over the years, meeting him in person, interviewing him for the book. We've had a couple of conversations, um, you know, as I, as I related, uh, uh to you in regards to, uh, um, the, the article that I had written for Town Hall. And hopefully he's listening tonight because I did email his wife and, 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 let them know that um, we were going to be talking about this situation, and ho- so hopefully Kayla, uh, his wife, and, and and Judge Moore are listening uh, to be encouraged. You know, th- the bottom line, Doug, is that you know, if in fact, uh, you know, I don't know what the laws were in the state of Alabama. If he did in his 30s date younger uh, girls, which to me, when I first heard it, 14, 15 years old, that seems a little young. Um, you know, that would be something that we all commit youthful indiscretions. It would be nice if that were the case, that Judge Moore clarified that and said, you know, I, I did date some some younger girls in my 30s uh, that were teenagers, but that was, you know, if, if you ask those things were routine back then, I'm not sure, Doug, to be honest with you. But certainly, um, you know, who's no nobody is perfect. Uh, we all have our youthful, you know, indiscretions, things that we're ashamed of, things that we wish we could do over. But again, we're vote. Well, we're not voting because I don't live in Alabama. We're, but the the people in Alabama are voting for a representative from their state to represent them in the United States Senate. They are not voting for a pastor or a priest. And so I think what you you have to do in this situation is. You gotta look at the entire record, record, Joe and Doug. Look at the big picture. Look at a 40 year, uh, uh, you know, career that Judge Moore had since, uh, assist, be, being assistant DA. Has there ever been any, any blemishes, uh, any claims of sexual assault? None that I know of, uh, until now. So I, I just find the timing to be a tad suspicious here. Don't you guys? I mean, what do you guys oh, think? Absolutely. That's a big thing. Go ahead, Joe. I think it, this absolutely is a, a political hit. We've seen, you know, four elections previous to this where nobody said anything. And then Gloria Allred, obviously they did not do enough background information to uh, Miss Nielsen because, as it turned out, he presided, uh, Roy Moore presided over her divorce proceedings in 1999. Gloria Allred would not um, substantiate the, the signature in the yearbook. And even more than that, it's interesting to note that the initials D.A. in that signature were of his secretary or assistant when she would Could've stamp been. Been. The, um, the the signature. That's what she would write underneath it, and that's the only reason the D.A. is there. And Roy Moore actually came out and said that he never signed his name ever with those letters D.A., and that ruined the credibility 
and and really showed it for what it was along with uh, there were reports that there were robocalls ongoing in Alabama looking for accusers. And then I find it interesting that they rolled out again the first woman who accused him, uh, just brand new this week. They they re-interviewed her and, and put her story back out there because I think they know that most of the credibility of the accusers were lost with uh, you know that, that circus show that they put out a few weeks ago. But the timing definitely is very suspect. And isn't it interesting, Greg, how you see so many people in the media these last few days basically defending Al Franken, saying, well, you know, this is a slippery slope. If if this kind of behavior is uh, classified as sexual assault, it's a mock groping. Even today, there's a from Morning Joe to uh, Katie Turr, even The View, they, they're, they're lashing out. Uh, minimizing the the allegations against uh, Democratic opponents. Meanwhile, saying if you are going to vote for Roy Moore, you support pedophilia. It's I think the people in Alabama also agree. There's a, a poll on Real Clear Politics where they say Moore has a still a six point lead in Alabama, and I think the people are able to see through this. But it really shows these people's true colors, especially in the media when they have these double standards that they use against one person and then they, they go the complete opposite uh, when it's somebody that they respect or admire. Yeah, I mean, the hypocrisy is palpable, and it's right out of the Democrat playbook. This is a Saul tactic to accuse your opponent what you're guilty of. Uh, you know, this is there's nothing new under the sun, like Solomon said, but here's the good news. The good news is, is that Gloria Allred is not in control. Uh, the Democrat Party is not... The, uh, uh, in, in the position of power. Um, these, these two accusers aren't in the position of power. Uh, George Soros isn't in the position of power. John McCain isn't in the position of power. The, the truth is that you and I are the ones who are in the position of power. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, they want to destroy Roy Moore to dispirit us. They they think that they want us to feel like we are the victims, like we're battered wives, and that, you know, they're so used to being bullies, they're not used to us standing up to them, as we have, well, with the election of Trump, number one, they've gone apoplectic still. I mean, still people in my neighborhood, guys, still have Hillary Clinton yard signs up. Seriously. These people are insane. Most of these people are, they have Trump derangement syndrome. And I want to tell them, I tweeted the other day, by the way, that's how I communicate, a shameless plug, but I love Twitter because it's just 140 characters, get it out quick. And um, I'm for anybody who's on Twitter, you can follow me at, 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 at Greg2Gs, M is in Matthew Jackson, at Greg M. Jackson. Um, I, and I love Twitter for the same reason that you guys do. But in the same reason that President Trump does. But here's the bottom line. We're the ones in power. They want us to fold. They want us to cower. Like, like they're, you know, they see the Republican Party doing time after time. The fact of the matter is, this is a really important election. You know, if we're not hit by nuclear weapons, you know, these, not to make light of it, but, you know, going off of Brandon's first hour and a half investigative report, which was excellent. Um, I believe that, Joe and Doug, we need to endure, and we need to persevere, and we need to continue to push forward. We need, like you said last night, Doug, we need to uh, you know, pray like it's up to God and work like it's up to us. And 
this is what we need to do. We need to make a decision. Are we going to get behind Judge Roy Moore? If we are, donate some money to his campaign. Send him an encouraging email. By the way, you can email me. Go to my website, gregjackson.com. I'll forward on the email. I do have his personal email. Um, or you could send it to the Hagmans, I'm sure, you know, and they can send it on to me either way. But these, we need to get involved and we need to realize that we're not victims because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I believe that this is a, this is a seminal moment, Joe and Doug, because the left wants to put us under tyranny. The left wants to have, create their socialist utopia where judges and uh, Hillary Clinton and the rest of the, the leftists basically tell us, uh, you know, serfs, where we're going to live, how much energy we're going to consume, you know, how, how every, and control every com- aspect of our lives. But I believe that this is a seminal moment in that we could send somebody, not we, but the people of Alabama can send somebody like Judge Roy Moore to the Senate to stand for God's Word, to stand for biblical value, to stand for the United States Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, basics. And, of course, he's looked at as a fly in the ointment to a lot of these state, status globalists uh, that Carol Quigley uh, wrote about, and I think, it, not Truth and Hope, but what was the name of his book, Doug? Tragedy sure. and Hope. There Thank you go. You. Yep. Tragedy and Hope. This is what his their utopia is, and they're pretty close to attaining it. Two parties, two wings of the same bird, globalists, uh, where people think they have a real choice, but they don't. We know that we really don't have much of a choice. We do have a couple of good guys in there, but not many. Roy Moore, I believe, would embolden Mr. and Mrs. America, Mr. and Mrs. Christian conservatives say, hey, wait, if Roy Moore can do it, maybe I can do it on the city council or in the state legislature, or maybe I could run for Senate. That's what this is all about. They want to dispirit you. They want to, they want to smack you down. And I don't mean to engage in hyperbole, but I do believe that this is the case because if, like with Trump, when we saw that we could elect somebody like Trump, and by the way, I don't believe he's the Messiah. There's certain things I disagree with, but I do believe on balance we should be praying for him and supporting him to do righteousness and justice and to break up the pedophile rings and to protect and defend this nation. Uh, but in general, Joe and Doug, I believe that uh, we need to get behind Judge Roy Moore with our money, with our prayers, because if Judge Moore, Roy Moore can win and go into the Senate and stand up for what is right, who knows? Maybe there can be a real political awakening. And for those of you who are saying, well, Greg, Christians aren't called to be involved in politics, I disagree with you, because Jesus yeah, was very involved absolutely in, in, in politics, yep. in government. Matter of fact, the ones he reserved the most harsh condemnation for were the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his day. And by the way, the, the, the second form of government ever created by God, following the natural human family, which is a male and a female, was the, uh, the institution of civil government. And so that God-ordained, God-established civil government, and we should elect civil magistrates, like Chief 
Justice Roy Moore, who have biblical worldviews, who realize that government is not God, and who will be guided uh, by uh, by the divine principles laid out in the Declaration. And when I say divine, I mean that governments are instituted by God to protect inalienable, i.e., God-given rights. So for those of you who are going to send emails, please don't, because those documents are founding national charter of the Declaration of Independence, uh, as well as the Constitution, which is the law of the land, uh, are primarily about government protecting and defending God-given rights. So they're, they're I, I would say, based upon the Bible. So I, I think we're in, 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 on safe grounds, safe territory, in saying that when you send a guy like Judge Roy Moore to the Senate, this is a real threat to the communist, fascist, statist, Antifa left. This is a huge threat. See, they're not threatened by Lindsey Graham. Lighten his loafers, right. Lindsey Graham. Right. They're not threatened by any of the statists on the Republican Party because they yuck it up. They have fun. They're all part of the two wings of the same dirty globalist bird flying in the same direction, Doug and Joe. Absolutely. But a, a guy like Trump, a guy like Roy Moore, that's a different story. And that's why you're hearing the screeching from the pits of hell from these people. A Amen. Uh, what do you guys think? You, you know, no, you're, you're exactly right. I, I think had this been anyone else, we would see none of this. This is op, in my view anyway, from, from what I know of this, uh, this is opposition research on steroids. Um, the, 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 everything that has been thrown against, uh, Judge Roy Moore, based on everything I've been able to really drill down on and get, get, get my mitts onto, is, uh, polit it's political in nature, and it's to keep Judge Roy Moore off or out of the Senate. And, and Greg, what about this, um, that comment, I can't remember, was it McConnell that made it? Well, we wouldn't seat him in the Senate. Huh? Have you ever heard anything like that before? Um, did, did you well, hear? Yeah, I mean, he, he made a similar comment, I believe, about President Trump. That, well, yeah. <laughs> that he wouldn't be around in six months, or well, I don't know. The, the, but, but, but No, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, these people are showing themselves, Doug, for, for their true colors. Their true colors are coming out. Yeah. They, Two wing, yep. I mean, Mitch McConnell wouldn't be Senate Majority Leader if it, if he wasn't selected. These people aren't elected; they're selected. You and I both know that. Absolutely. The past five presidents who are pictured with a demoniac, which is Lady Gaga, yeah, um, are are they're 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 all skull and bones globalists, like Newt Gingrich said of Donald Trump. You know, the reason that they hate Trump is why he's not part. He wasn't in the. He's not an initiate. He wasn't in the secret societies. And, you know, by the way, when I speak of the past, those five presidents who were pictured with Lady Gaga, I do want to say for clarification purposes that I'm pretty sure that, that four of them were skull and bones and Freemasons. Not sure about Jimmy Carter. So I, I, I did want to clarify that. Not, not sure what his background is. I don't know CFR, if he was much of a... CFR, I think only. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, CFR, but beyond that, I'm not sure. But they're all globalist puppets. We right. know that. We know who they're work, working for. So to your comment about uh, 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 McConnell, and it, it goes for Rhino, it goes for anybody in a position of authority, they don't get there uh, by being a fly in the ointment. 
they get there by towing the line. They, they, they don't want the gravy train. They don't want the power. They don't want the authority uh, to end. They don't want the skeletons in their closet to be exposed. In my opinion, we're speculating because that's what your show's all about. We present the news. We discuss it. We speculate on it. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, what I am surprised is that the good people of Kentucky continue to elect this globalist, statist, uh, pathetic excuse for a Senate majority leader. Amen. You know, you're 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 exactly right, Greg. Um, I I think we're seeing this unraveling take place today, uh, in so many ways, and the exposing of the uh, of the deep state swamp creatures. I've never seen anything like the environment in which we find ourselves. Have you? It's just it's it's incredible. Well, not to not to toot my own. Uh, you can, take a, you can take a lap. Go ahead and take a picture. Do you remember lap. I was on election night and I said, "Don't worry, Trump is going to win." In the bag, he did. Relax, he's going to do it. I just had a sense in in the spirit that. That he was he was going to do it. I also predicted uh, about a month ago. I was on your show. Last time I was on your show, I can't remember three or four weeks ago. I said this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. Or the, I went to uh, Trump's comment about uh, remember Joe and Doug when he said this is this is the calm before the storm about a month ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Remember, and then yep. I cited that on your show, um, and because that struck me as being very important. Uh, that wasn't just kind of a throwaway line for President Trump to say. I mean, you don't get to become a, you know, a, 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 a magnate, a, a real estate magnate, you know, worth eight billion or whatever he's worth, building golf clubs and resorts all around the world, and, um, you know, by being a dummy, by being an idiot. I mean, the, the guy is very shrewd, I believe, um, and, and and so. That calm before the storm, I think, Doug, and this goes to your your, your comment that you just made, uh, we've seen it play out, haven't we, in the past three or four weeks? We saw it with the coup in, in, in Saudi Arabia yep. and the deal that I believe is, is struck. We saw it by Podesta, you know, quitting the Podesta company. We saw it by, I think there's been like ten over 10,000 uh, pedophiles that have been uh, brought to justice under... The, uh, under the administration. I do believe um, also, because you've been talking about it, that Jeff Sessions is quietly, I think there's a reason why Hillary Clinton and John McCain are both wearing boots. And I think it might have to do with the fact that, because listen, Hillary Clinton has a broken toe, right? And I believe John McCain has a bad Achilles. Well, you wouldn't wear a boot for a broken toe or an Achilles. I know that because I've been in the medical device industry for 25 years. I'm in hospitals every day. Uh, but when would you wear a boot? Potentially if you were indicted and have an ankle bracelet on, potentially. Just throwing it out there. And so what I want to say is that even though it hasn't been publicly announced by Attorney General Sessions, I do believe that we should give it time and we should see how this plays out because this is what I believe Trump was talking about, the calm before the storm. And I believe the left knows it. They know that their days are numbered. They know that the gig is up. 
they know that more people watch your show than watch MSNBC. Okay, just saying. They know that that their days of being able to divert attention, distract, and deceive the American public is over because there's a huge paradigm shift that is taking place right now. And as I said before, these are the last dying gasps of the left. But, but we do know that when is a is a, is an a cornered animal most dangerous? When they're cornered, and they're cornered. And so I do believe that we have to be on guard, especially prepared spiritually. We need to be in prayer uh, for the President of the United States, for his administration, for guys like Judge Roy Moore. And we, we especially need to be in prayer that God would continue to reveal the wicked deeds of darkness. And kudos to you guys, because we can't expect, uh, you know, just Joe and Doug and, and other sh great shows like yours to, to do that, to do the heavy lifting. I believe, and I'm speaking to the whole Hagman and Hagman family right here, this is all of our jobs collectively. We need to use whatever resources we have at our disposal, whether it's our own YouTube channels, whether it's our websites, our email list, whatever social media we have to spread the word, to wake people up, because we were called to be warriors we were called to endure. We were called to carry on, to expose the wicked deeds of darkness. We weren't called to just sit in our and compartmentalize our faith, just go to church, you know, once a week and then kind of turn our head to the darkness. It's up to us to expose it. And so hopefully that's an encouragement to your listeners, Joe and Doug. And by the way, I, I you know, just, you know, when we're talking about good news, Doug, and you know, I've tried to encourage the audience that we're not victims here, that we're actually in a, a position of authority, but it all depends on our action. It all depends on what we actually do in recognition of the biblical truths of who we are ultimately as Christians in Jesus Christ. Amen. And brother. so once and when we know our identity as ambassadors of Christ, and that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and us of a sound mind. Brother, I'm moving forward because I don't fear these Satanists. I don't fear this albino freak Mark Zuckerberg who owns Facebook, who wants to control every aspect of your life, who has zero social skills, but owns the, the great, the biggest social platform. If you're a Christian, get off Facebook, in my opinion. It's a CIA operation and use your, or, or if you're on it, don't be on it long. Don't 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 engage. Don't don't get diverted and distracted. Um, and, and this is the last thing I'll say, Joe and Doug, is that you know the bottom line is that that um, the best news. And I'm going to say this in anticipation of Thanksgiving. Here's the best news. The best news is that when you have Jesus, you have everything. When you have Jesus, when you when He is your Lord and Savior, you're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. And on this Thanksgiving, that's what I'm most thankful for. And for any of your listeners who are saved, be encouraged because you already have the victory. Now, I believe the Lord is commanding all of us, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I'm just speaking prophetically from His Word, that He has called us to be more than conquerors. He's promised us that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, whether it's chemtrails or anything else. We are called to expose the wicked deeds of darkness. We are called to be bold. 
and courageous. So with whatever God has given you, do it. And, you know, do it prayerfully, uh, but do it. And Amen. the final thing I'll say is if you're not a born-again Christian, if you're not saved, um, may today be a day of salvation. I, I always have to go back to the gospel because regardless of Club K and the nuclear threats and all the other things that we're talking about tonight, Joe and Doug, uh, Chief Justice Roy Moore, the important thing is is that time is short. We all know it. We Tomorrow's not promised We, I, you know, not to, to anybody. I don't know with 100% assurance that you're saved, that you've repented of your sins and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My prayer is that this is no coincidence that you're listening to my voice right now, that you would make today the day of salvation, that you would repent of your sins, receive Jesus, and get saved, because regardless of anything else, nothing else matters if you don't have that. Amen? Amen, brother. Greg, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing all that tonight. Yeah. And staying on the extra, you know, half hour with us. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, we really do appreciate it. We appreciate the insight on Judge Roy Moore and as well as the analysis of everything else that's going on with these accusations and this political hit job that we see. Do you know the date when the election is, Greg, for Roy Moore, the special election? Yeah, I, I believe it's December either 7th or 12th, and that's why this isn't an October surprise. It's a November surprise. Yeah. Well, let's get her done. And, folks, keep your eyes open. I read that they're, they might be trying to roll out another accuser that could just be speculation. It might not be. Who knows <sighs> what the way things are, are going now. But uh, the political hit jobs have not worked. It is evident based on the poll numbers. And, really, as we've said all along, this is up to the people of Alabama to make that decision. And uh, what you say in your book, Greg, about Roy Moore, the interview you did, it's amazing how it's come, you know, full circle. Here we are in a place, in a time and place where that has become relevant again. And one of the, uh, what I was just trying to say, the Senate seat votes, they're, with Roy Moore in there, it gives them a majority. I think that you said 52. Well, it maintains them. Yeah, and that to me is probably the, the real reason. I don't think it's just that they don't like Roy Moore. No. I no, think it's that not. the majority, uh, that, that will give the Republicans in the Senate is what really concerns them, and they are going to do everything they can to fight against it. So if they're not successful with what they've done so far, expect more to come out before the election. And please, uh, Greg, no give, give Judge Moore, Roy Moore our, our best. We wish him the best, and we really believe that truth will prevail in this in this morass of immorality and of, of really false accusations or unproven accusations that this wreck you know the genie's out of the bottle you cannot unring this bell that has been rung but at least we can stand up and identify it for what it is and i think you've done a great job with yeah. that well i'm going to send the interview to him no doubt about that let's pray for him i mean Amen. let's let's uh, everybody in this audience just lift 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 him up in prayer and that that the lord's will would be done because again i think that this would be momentous if he was actually elected to the Senate. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. Greg, my brother, thank you so very much. Give our best to, again, to Judge Roy Moore, to your family, to your son. Hope he did well tonight in hockey. Hockey, right? He's got a big tournament, so to practice, and then we got two games tomorrow. we got one on Thursday, a couple on. It's, I mean, it's just hockey, hockey palooza. Hey, That's what it is. It's hockey palooza. Where's okay. Gunner? Didn't you bring Gunner with you? Uh, I didn't. I didn't bring Gunner. Um, 
Uh, he doesn't come to the hockey rink as a general rule. I did take him on a longer walk when when I was speaking with John Robertson, your wonderful producer. Um, hey, I want to wish you guys a, a fantastic Thanksgiving, a lot to be thankful for. Love you guys. Always an honor and a privilege. I am going to go to, is it pa- Paleon? What is the new uh, way to, to partner oh, with you guys? Oh, uh, Patreon. Patreon. Well, the, thank you. Patreon. Yeah. I'm going to go to Patreon and uh, partner with you guys. It's an easy way to to support you guys because it's just a monthly kind of, is the way I understand it, it's just like a recurring donation. So you only have to go on once. And, you know, whatever you guys can give, please join me. We're all part of the same family. We need to come alongside the Hagmans. Whatever you can do, let's show our thanks. Five, ten, fifteen, hundred, whatever you can afford per month. Uh, let's do it, guys. Let's Thank you, man. Show the real support for Joe and Doug. Uh, we, we we do appreciate it. Greg Jackson, Greg Two G's Jack Jackson, author extraordinaire. Follow him on Twitter and of course gregjackson.com. Link in our program description. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your appearance tonight. Love you guys. All Thanks right. for having I'll be me. Right back. Stay right where we at. segment on this Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report, we are going to hit some interesting news and stories that are ongoing. Uh, first, I want to start with Charlie Rose while we're talking about Roy Moore and all these um, different sexual assault misconduct Charlie allegations. Charlie Rose and Charlie Fell. Charlie Rose fired also uh, a Lassiter from the, he's a Disney chief creative officer. He is stepping down amid miss what he calls misstep, what other are calling sexual misconduct allegations. And as I said with Greg on, you have a whole host of liberal-leaning or outright communist news anchors out there um, basically uh, backpedaling the, the severity of the Al Franken situation while turning around and saying, if you support Roy Moore, you support pedophilia. But isn't it interesting, Charlie Rose, there was a... Can, can I, just, I just want to interject one thought, and then you can continue with your, your train of thought. You've got to look, in my view, and this is based on my experience, you've got to look at each situation individually. You cannot lump them all together. There are different factors. With that... Oh, absolutely right. I'm going to I, just stop. Right and now. I want to... I mean, there's a few different examples of this we have. We have, you know, the, the Roy Moore category, where he's denying any sexual assault or abuse or misconduct allegations, along with one other person in Hollywood, Jeremy Piven. He was the guy who was on Entourage. He's been accused of sexual assault, but apparently took a lie detector test and passed after issuing a, a uh, almost a full-page post on, on Facebook denying these accusations. And you have to classify these as two ways. One, you have... Uh, Accusations that women are coming forward and accusing somebody, and they are apologizing, saying, "Yes, I did this. I'm sorry." And then you have the people who are denying it, and you know, obviously, a denial. It could be truth. It might not be. 
but we used to, and we still should, have something in this country called innocent until proven guilty. And at least while we're looking and classifying these, when you have people who deny it, um, it opens up the door. you got to look at the circumstances involved. Were, was this person where uh, they say he was when he's being accused? All these different things. Like we saw the, the situation with Roy Moore, the one accuser. Turns out that she had seen Roy Moore since that happened, that he presided over her divorce proceedings. And there were many other questions. Um, this is one of the problems with this in this time we're in of these accusations is everybody is everybody going to automatically assume everybody who there's accusations against is guilty and that is a very dangerous place to be at the same time how do you know how do you get to the truth Uh, this is something that takes discernment research and we have to remove our our initial emotional responses from this because you're talking about people's lives their reputations their careers and if they're unfounded allegations that could be false, are 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 the court of public opinion ready to ruin people's careers over allegations that may not be true? And I think that's one of the things we have to look at with this Roy Moore situation: is what is he being accused of? The one accuser who it was accusing him of a sexual assault, you know, forcible touching without you know, unwanted advances. That was the person who Gloria Allred rolled out with whose credibility was destroyed i said all that just to say we can't as much as as some of these people you might have already thought this was the case or um you know eight ten people come out and accuse them of something or accuse a person of something we have to get to the truth no matter what is being said um, and who is saying it we have to get to that truth if you're going to ruin people's lives and careers over this stuff and it's a very dangerous game that the media is playing but again, we see them backpedaling it. Uh, even today, Morning Joe's Mika Brzezinski minimizes sex abuse claims against Al Franken. Hypocrite Joy Bear scolds Kellyanne Conway on Roy Moore after she defended Clinton against the rape accusations. So it's just this never-ending cycle of hypocrisy and um, craziness from the media. Well, we're all trying to sit around and make sense of what's really going on here. It's interesting, the backlash, too. Judge Roy Moore, um, his campaign was able to raise a million dollars without the RNC. So I, I, what I mm-hmm. think that, that that tells us is the level of disgust by the American people, uh, especially with the GOP establishment, the Republican Party. It's enough. We're sick and tired of you people. And it amazes me, too, these people who get elected to these public positions making $172,000 a year, they walk out of their Susan Rice now worth $50 million. How does How does that happen? <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, good penny investment? Stocks. Yeah, penny stocks. <laughs> good, much like the... Uh, cattle futures, but by the way, the the, the, the um, Hillary Clinton cattle futures guy um, that turned a thousand into a hundred thousand for Hillary Clinton is involved in the uranium one uh, t- tangentially in the uranium one uh, s- crimes as well. So it's it's very interesting to me how the, how this all works. But yeah, th- there you have it. So, but but the uh, the progressive Marxist communists have been really working overtime to destroy the reputation of 
uh, Judge Roy Moore while giving people like Franken and others a pass. John Conyers, and yeah, it's just crazy. And the, and the media, MSNBC's Joy Reid is still um, calling Clarence Thomas a sexual <laughs> raptor. Yeah, uh, just just today on on her news uh, morning news show, and this is you know part of the double standard that we see with these accusations. The liberal media protecting those who they uh, hold in high esteem and throwing everybody else under the bus, regardless of, of evidence, facts, proof, and, and verifiable information. Kind of switching gears here, I know we got some information on Fusion GPS and the Intelligence Committee on their bank records. Their their bank records have been unsealed. We're going to get to that As in we just said. a moment. But one of the things I wanted to talk about and just at least briefly touch on here, I was reading an article on the Daily Caller, and this article showed another, what they're calling a hate crime that is a hoax. Now you're saying, how can a hate crime be a hoax? There is this growing trend of people committing false hate crimes, from writing things on uh, on cars to um, walls inside of, of universities. Uh, we saw one university where they hung banana peels on uh, different trees and lampposts around the campus. Sure enough to find out that this was all being perpetrated by minorities or the people that the hate crimes were supposedly going against. Now, there are reports, um, blacks commit growing share of reported hate crimes. There was a new one today where a slogan, White Lives Matter, with a racial slur underneath it, where security cameras footage shows that it was an African-American, not a white person. And we're seeing this trend from vandalism of, of Jewish cemeteries and schools to uh, especially stuff surrounding the, the Black Lives, White Lives Matter movements or the Black Lives Matter movement. But this, the FBI had published its annual hate crime statistics earlier this week, and the numbers are tell a different story than what the mainstream media has been reporting on. The Associated Press claimed that numbers likely reflect the uptick recorded by civil rights groups in harassment and vandalism targeting, targeting Muslims, Jews, blacks, and others amid the presidential campaign. The Huffington Post went on to publish items before this F- FBI report came out saying that, or they predicted there was going to be a 5% increase in hate crimes due to the election of Donald Trump. But the FBI report showed a different story and I have not looked at the numbers yet, but long story short, there's a growing number of reported white hate crimes that turned out to be hoaxes. And they're talking about an increase in 25% high, fake hate crimes, 25% higher than we saw in 2016. And this well, is directly due to all this you know, political correctness that we see sure. in our society today and the election of Donald Trump. And when they can't I guess uh, inspire the hate against them naturally. They got to create it themselves. Well, uh, speaking of that, remember that video of the group of four? I think it was uh, uh, two guys and, and two girls, all four black, beating the crap out of a mentally disabled. Is that the one they put on video? Or? Right. And F Trump, F white people. Mm-hmm. Well, a Chicago judge quietly dropped the hate crime charges mm-hmm. against these BM, BLM kidnappers. It's amazing. Uh, goodness. So, uh, explain why? that did, to Did me. they say why or did... 
did the article? No, no, but, but the Chicago judge, need I say more? No. Okay, there it is. So you've got this. And people should be outraged. Where in the hell is our Department of Justice? Where in the heck is Jeff Sessions on this? And there, one of these fake hate crimes that I talked about, we talked about on the Daily Show last week, was similar to this. There was an African American student who says that his car was vandalized. You know, the N word was written on it. Well, come to find out after a police investigation, the security camera footage showed that he did it to his own car. The police decided not to charge him for filing a false police report, which is protocol, standard procedure in investigations like this. Yeah, and, so we're seeing yeah, exactly. that the hate crime designation dropped. We're seeing look, special care given to these people who right. are committing these acts. The, the, look, the Council on American Islamic Relations, this uh, terrorist front group for Hamas, as, as uh, verified by the Holy Land Foundation trial, um, they stand behind these so-called victims of hate crimes who are Muslim and, and throw out statistics, in my, in my opinion, that, that don't reflect reality with respect to, hey, there's a rise in hate crimes against Muslims, there's a rise in hate cr- uh, crimes against blacks, when in fact it's just the opposite. If you're white, you've got a better chance, in my view right now, of being the victim of a hate crime. This white privilege is a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of Marxist uh, uh, baloney, I believe, that... that um, you know, look, I'm yeah. not going to feel bad for, for being white. I, I make no apologies. And, and, I, and I'll tell you something. No black person should make apologies for being black. Oh, absolutely not. So, this is what you know, the civil rights movement was all about, what Martin Luther King right. uh, you know, fought for, for the equality regardless of the color of your skin. Even Chris Matthews, during a uh, political Tingles. event or a speech this weekend, took Hillary and Obama to task for attacking white voters who he went on to say was was basically the base of their support. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That report is up at HagmanReport.com. I think that was one of the last articles that we published. Also, Peter Chowka has a new article on HagmanReport.com. Go there and check out his latest work, as well as Stephen Menking has posted a few podcasts as well. But Peter Chowka's article, Poster Boy Dies... Or I'm sorry, Poster Boy of 1960... 1960s Democrat scandal dies, but lessons live on. And this is an article about Robbie Baker, uh, who died on his 89th birthday. But go to there and read the article. Peter has a lot of background information, and it's it's very looks like an interesting article. I have not read it except for the first two paragraphs, and I'm going to do the rest, read the rest of this after the show. But again, go to HagmanReport.com, check out all the latest content up there. And, uh, yeah, Chris Matthews rips Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama for looking down on white working people. Shame. No. Don't you find it funny that so many of these, uh, people who are coming out against white people are white themselves? Well, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this, uh, this programming of this white guilt in, in people's minds. It's ridiculous. Get a grip, guys. It's, it's, it's like the feminist men. Yeah, you've got this, uh, the emasculation of the American or the Western male. It, it, oh, shame on uh, how, and same thing for being white. Get a grip. All right. Grow up. Put your big boy pants on. Be a man and be proud of who you are. And, and by the way, I'm tired. If you're a Christian out there and you, and you send me this, 
uh, a, a note, you know, look up pride in the Bible. Uh, come on. All right. I'm not talking about idolatry. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm just talking about being, I'm, I guess maybe respect is a better word and sen- common sense. Don't, don't even profess this Christian to, uh, th- don't profess to me. Uh, you're not, oh, I'm going to stop right there. Okay, I'm just. I'm not going to go, go any further. Let, let's move on to Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS, by the way, for those people who don't know it, opposition research firm founded by three Wall Street journalists: Glenn Simpson, Peter Fritsch, and uh, Thomas Catan. This back in what 2011 is when this group founded. Now the bank records come out. Mm-hmm. What we find? What we find? We told you exactly, and we were right. So what we find? Well, the federal court unsealed the documents in the lawsuit over Fusion GPS bank records on Tuesday, revealing new details of payments made last year to opposition research firms that commissioned the infamous Trump dossier. And the records are a list of 112 transactions involving Fusion GPS. Most are redacted, save for transactions between two law firms that the opposition firm worked with last year on two Russia-related projects. Perkins Cole, the law firm that represented the Clinton campaign and DNC, paid Fusion GPS a total of $1,024,000 between May 24th and December 28th in 2016. The largest payment was made just before the election. Perkins Cole made a $365,000 payment to Fusion GPS on October 28th, 2016, according to the records. Then there was a payment made in late December which was later than previously thought. The article goes on to say that individual payments to journalists, directly to journalists, remains to be seen, which was some of uh, what many believed would be the case, that journalists were being paid for a number of reasons to hype certain stories up and to non-report other ones. But that is still yet to be seen if that is the case. In a memo filed Tuesday, lawyers for the House panel said they are seeking transactions related to three individual journalists, each of whom have reported and or been quoted in articles regarding topics related to the committee's investigation, some of which were published as recently as October 2017. The names of the journalists are redacted in the filing, and it's not clear from the request whether Fusion GPS paid active journalists for their work. Absolutely. I take it to the bank. They did. Take it to the bank. This is my personal opinion. I gotta, I gotta preface that. They did. He, he, look, very simply. DNC, Hillary Clinton, 10 million to Perkins Coy and to Mark Elias. Mark Elias, Perkins Coy, two Fusion GPS, a million, or, uh, um, at least a million. I'm, I, I, I the, the figure escapes me. And then 168,000 in that transaction realm to, Christopher Steele for the opposition researcher for the PP dossier, that, that golden mm-hmm. shower piece of crap dossier, of which the uh, FBI used, uh, which is well documented, by the way, now uh, they used to get uh, FISA warrants, and, and they should be strung up on charges or, or oh, yeah. you know, put up on charges. So, Well, this article ends by stating, the firm is known to employ a stable of former reporters, Simpson and his two founding partners, Peter Fritsch and Thomas Catan worked together at the Wall Street Journal. The unsealed filings show that Fusion 
argued against releasing records related to payments to journalists. Well, yeah. And in November 3rd declaration, Fritsch argued that transactions between Fusion GPS and certain journalists do not pertain to work related to Russia or Donald Trump. Well, look, when Simpson testified, now we know that Simpson testified twice, at least twice. If he lied, and I believe he did, sitting next to his lawyer, um, I believe that that uh, you know what, they should get him on perjury if 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 he was oh, yeah. if he testified under oath. Absolutely, they should. But more more, you know what? I may be covering a lot of the fusion GPS aspects in in the financials tomorrow on my show, um, the, the Doug Hagman Radio Show. Have you, I don't know if you, have you heard of it. Nine to ten. Eastern Time. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. And uh, if you haven't, tune in. And, of course, tune in to Joe and John's show. When is that? Um, two, uh, to two to three on I, Blog Talk Radio on Global Star Channel 3. Yeah. And BTR. And, by the way, it, it, do us a favor. Regardless of the venue in which you listen to it, click the follow on the BTR page for our various shows. That that helps us and raises our visibility. And, of course, we, we like it. This Every week, time you click that, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> this week is a holiday weekend. As Thanksgiving is just the day after tomorrow, the uh, there are reports that up to 50 million people will be traveling during this Thanksgiving season, so please be careful if you do. But an interesting story, how many people have their Christmas trees already this year? U.S. Christmas tree shortage may cause a price hike this year. So apparently... They're reporting that you're going to see maybe investing in Christmas trees around, uh, you know, getting in on the ground floor. I got Christmas tree futures. Can yeah, Exactly. That's where I was going. Yeah, okay. The, the Christmas tree futures. Now's a good time to get in on that. As they say, the prices are looking to hike as much as 10% during the holiday rush due to a shortage of Christmas trees, according to the report. Well, whatever. But the uh, the the reason I brought all that up is It's a conspiracy. It's a Russian the, conspiracy. Traveling on Thanksgiving, they they're expecting you know more people than in a in a few years to travel. They say it's going to be up by almost five million people traveling on the roadways this year. And gas prices, we see the prices of oil are pretty high for the price of barrel. I was doing some, I've been keeping track of that at least once a week for the last few months. And gas prices are down over the, these last two weeks due to a huge increase in uh, U.S. production and reserves, over 2 million from last year, up 2 million barrels a day from last year. And that surge is supposed to continue to see the price of bar- per barrel decline, but we're not really seeing that at the pumps here where we live. It went down 10 cents today, finally. But that's after it dropped, you know, 50 cents a barrel over the last five days. So oh, I was amazed in, in the drive across fr- from where we live to, to Branson. The difference in prices, and of course, Pennsylvania's got the highest tax on gasoline. Pennsylvania I and California, number two. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm I'm just amazed. And where does all that money go when you when you think about this? Especially tolls too. Where does all that money go? <laughs> we need a million to, cars paying ten dollars a pop every day yeah. going through tolls. We we do need to to eradicate the toll system. I believe um, it's it's one of the one of the oh, we you, you can do a whole you can do a whole show on the, the toll system itself as as to how that developed and why and such. Well, how's that going to work with self driving cars? Yeah, that's a question because that they are pushing these self driving earlier today, right before the show. 
that detailed uh, self-driving cars is putting uh, job futures at risk with the uh, Teamsters Union. And, and what they're trying to do is uh, apparently a lot of regulations and safety precautions were lifted in the marketing and, and trying to develop these self-driving cars. And there are some concerns that this technology is not ready to go yet. Many people are pushing it, saying that this is the way of the future. I don't know about you guys out there, but I don't want a self-driving car. I drive like I drive like my car is self-driving. Seriously, I, uh, <laughs> Eric the tech he, he refused. I'm driving. I'm not allowed to drive. Okay, I'm driving. What's that? Here it is. Yeah. L.A. Times: Driverless revolution may exact a political price in its race to embrace driverless vehicles. Washington has cleared the way regulatory hurdles for auto companies and brushed aside consumer warnings about the risk of crashes and hacking. And it goes on to say that the um, in a recent hear- hearing, lawmakers absorbed an economic argument that illustrated how driverless revolution they are encouraging could backfire politically, talking about the number of you know 1.7 million truck drivers in the country, as well as all the other industries that use uh, vehicle transportation as a way to transport goods and services. And they are increasing the, these uh, driverless vehicles and Almost every test of a driverless vehicle I've seen has ended in complete disaster. Any I, you know, real but driverless. I thought by, but I thought by now that we'd be flying we'd around be like the Jetsons. Right. I mean, whatever happened to that? Like the Jetsons, you know, flying around. And Well, I brought this up to ask how many people, if the self-driving car options were there, would give up their their ability to drive for that self-driving car. I would not be one of those people. I want... If I'm going to crash and die in a car crash, I want to be behind the wheel. I don't want somebody else remote controlling it or to rely on AI or the potential for hacking is still there whether you're driving it or not. But the well, uproar that this right. could cause by this new technology. And I think, look, look, it is the objective, the in-game objective by the globalists to, to ban all private ownership of motor vehicles. And think about that. Just... Seriously, you got to think about that. It's going to be gasoline engines and then all motor vehicles. That's the end game objective, to rely totally on public transportation. And the push toward the cities through the Agenda 2030, formerly Agenda 21, you get all, you get the idea. But um, and then the self-driving vehicle is a part of that. Rolled out a little bit too soon, no? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So uh, all of this together is. It's you can't even make this stuff up. Let me tell you. I, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go home. We only got a few minutes left in the show. Um, I don't know how many people have been following this, but do you guys remember those mystery booms that were heard across the U.S. a few years back, maybe in 2013, 2014? A couple of different occasions, but are you are talking back. about in, in the Michigan, uh, yeah. Midwest area? Yeah, they're back. Yeah. Yeah. Mysterious booms heard in 64 locations worldwide, experts baffled. Also, um, many experts are, are saying, watch out, there's going to be a, a earthquake on the West Coast. We've seen those reports for a while now. But I wonder where those booms are coming from. There's getting a lot of traction on YouTube, on the Internet. Um, and also the meteors, the fireballs that are being seen through the sky. There seems to be an increase in those, too. Just a little, a few things to, to keep note of as uh, some of these things we used to cover a lot back in the day. It seems like we don't really have time to anymore. 
but I know a lot of emails have come in on the subjects from the the booms um, to these increase in, in fireballs. And there was a story we talked about last week where a, and I think we talked about it here, a satellite or a space station, a yes, Chinese space station is going to re-enter orbit in the or re-enter the Earth's atmosphere potentially in January and crash somewhere above the forty or below the forty-third uh, longitude line. And it could be anywhere from Western Europe to the Atlantic Ocean to somewhere in Asia. But they said they were saying that Europe is going to be in the crosshairs for that. So who knows? But I don't know. That, that, again, booms. that's why I wear my bicycle. And my wife makes me wear that helmet, bicycle helmet, out uh, outside because mystery you never booms, know. mystery lights, and uh, all the weird stuff that's that's going on. And it is uh, definitely strange. If you get a chance to listen to some of those videos on tape with the mystery booms. There's one from Alabama that came out right, <laughs> right on the, the accusation of wow. Roy Moore. That's why I remember it. That They played it on the local news, and it was pretty uh, pretty interesting to see. Now, again, folks, go to Hagman Report. Bookmark Hagman Report. There we, we curate all kinds of content as well as have authors, individual authors writing, and your piece is still up there. The Understanding the Uranium One Scandal that didn't get a lot of traction on Hagman Report. I was kind of surprised by that. And uh, that is also at HomelandSecurityUS.com. No, no worries. Yeah, people, those who want to read it, it's there. If you don't, no worries. Um, it's it's There's a lot of, I don't know, it's not an easy read in terms of, uh, I try to make it as easy as possible. It's interesting. 6,000 words down to 2,000. Best I can do. I can throw the entire six thousand words at you, and uh, it might be a little bit more clear. By the way, David Cassidy passed away today at sixty-seven. Family. Yeah, so those people, um, you know, I'm sure uh, having the poster. I'm I've sure never some ladies. Uh, no, never no. once. No, no. You well, have to check it out. I'll, yeah. I'll go on YouTube and see if I can find some clips. End of eras. You know, it's uh, not that that really means anything, but but. Uh, but you know what? It, you just never know, right? You just never know. So, although that was expected, but you never know. Pro- tomorrow's not promised, anyway. No, it is not. We are at the end of the show. We will be back tomorrow, Thursday, Thanksgiving. We will not be doing a yeah, live spend broadcast. Some time with our families Thursday, but we will be back here Friday. So we'll be back tomorrow evening, regular time. Thursday is off. We're probably going to both have daily shows. Though. Yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing a, a morning show Thursday, and then I don't know what you guys We're are going to do a morning show Thursday, or a or show Thursday also. Okay, all right. And then we'll be back here on Friday with Dr. Ted Brewer. Thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. Thank you, Brandon House. Thanks, Greg Jackson. And thanks to all the listeners out there. We'll be back tomorrow.